welcome to our second episode of Hollywood Deep Dive. Uh, we are a monthly movie podcast, and we put our fates in the hands of a magic bingo ball roller and discuss actors and their works as we deep dive through their careers on a monthly basis. My name is Nicole Cabrera. I'm one of your uh, many lovely hosts on this podcast. Um, so a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we now have a wonderful Instagram that you can follow us on at Hollywood Deep Dive on Instagram. That's Hollywood underscore Deep Dive as one word. We also have an email you can reach us with any questions, concerns, let us know how we're doing. Hollywood Deep Dive at gmail.com. And if you're still a believer in the written word, we have a our blog that accompanies our movies at hollywooddeepdive.weebly.com where you can read our movie reviews as well. Um, so a little bit of groundskeeping if you're following us from a month-to-month basis. Um, our rule is that we're here to discuss artists and their work. So um, despite what people might do in their real lives, we're here to only discuss uh, movies on an entertainment value. Um, you will know far in advance who we are discussing, so if there's anyone that you're particularly not fond of, um, you can maybe fast forward through those sections. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's get started. Like I said, my name is Nicole, I'll be your main host, um, and around the table we have our wonderful panel. Um, so, we have a new guest who will be joining us monthly, uh, Jason, Jason Rogers. Um, Jason, why don't you let everybody know a little bit about you? Well, my name is Jason Rogers, as mentioned. I am the son of Captain America, Steve Rogers. <laughs> I, uh, I often go by that just to uh, get some more attention. Uh, but no, I'm a, I'm a graduate of uh, Queen's University. Of uh, I did a film degree there, and um, I'm a big, passionate movie lover, and you know, I go to TIFF every year. I ended up seeing 12 this year, actually. And, um, and yeah, I'm just a big, big advocate for uh, talking about movies and, you know, how they work and actors and everything like that. It's, it's all very fascinating to me, so I'm glad to be here. Awesome, and we're happy to have you too. And you know our regular panel, they're back um, from our previous month. So we have Sam, Adrian, Hi. and Jordan. Um, so uh, let's have our opening questions as we usually do. Sam, it's October. How do you feel about candy corn? I hate it. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Any sort of Halloween candy that you prefer. Anything but that. Anything but that. <laughs> Copy that. It's not as bad as the, the ones that wrap them and they have to say Halloween candy on them. You know, Ooh, those are the, those are the worst ones. It looks like you know orange marshmallows, and then they have the they have the chocolate sucker stick or whatever it is. Yeah, I you know, like the chocolate for just... I can't stand that stuff. Oh right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you really. like the sweet stuff though. The I rest do. of us do not. And my teeth make me regret it every single. Oh, people teeth. <laughs> I have it. Ladies and gentlemen, you can just pass them on to me. Okay. Um, all right. Copy that. We'll, <laughs> send, we'll send all the marked Halloween. Candy. Adriana. Yes, yeah. please. Yes, yeah. please send your unwanted Halloween candy to Adriana at I Love Candy at gmail.com. Oh my god, it's yeah, gonna yeah. be the best Halloween. <laughs> oh and Lord. as I said, so we have sitting across the room is Adriana. Um, Adriana, what is your most memorable Halloween costume that you can think of? Oh, Zorro. Oh. Yes. When I was like eight years old. So. You know what's funny? I went to Zorro when I was like three. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> I had, like... I have a was little... Was this before Antonio Banderas did it? I think so. Oh, Lord. Like, like, I mean, like really, the, the true original across the table, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I, you know, so... You know, maybe it'll be better than Tiny Gat? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, there was... There was one time at Halloween when I, I had to put on... I bought two wig pieces because I wanted to be Obi-Wan from Attack of the Clones. 
right oh, when he had the hair. Yeah. And then I got the little braid, so because oh, he has a little rat tail or whatever. And then and so I'm walking down the street with a penciled on mustache, two hair pieces over my now strawberry blonde hair, and then like just this little hair braid with like a fake plastic lightsaber walking down the street. There's a picture of it somewhere. That's my mom has really it. Really my mom has it buried to, somewhere. Uh, we need to go contact his mother and get that sent to me. Yeah, Instagram? yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's absolutely. I mean, absolutely. My favorite Halloween costume, I think, was it was Indiana Jones when I was 13. Mm. You and had good costumes, I, not fair. I had, like, the little jacket, and my mother took one of her purse straps, and she taped it together and made it into a whip. And my dad bought me a, a snake beanie baby, and I would like it to throw it at people. I'm like, oh, I hate snakes. Oh, so, best God. Halloween ever. Yeah, that's that was great. Wow, that was a pink ranger that's for, like, great. four years. <laughs> We're big Halloween pink people. Ranger. haven't really grown out, out of it. I have, like, three costumes this year. And so. uh, can I ask you a question? Who are you dressing up as this year? Um, yeah, so this year, me and Adriana sitting across from me, uh, we are doing uh, the amazing Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. Yeah, Adriana, are you feeling left out of this? Oh, and then... <laughs> oh, there's still room, Marco Robbie. Yeah. We do need a Sharon Day. Um, Don't ask me. Don't look at me like that. Don't think I'm going to do this. And then my other costume is I'm going as a Richie Trash Mouth Tozier from The Loser's Club. Yeah. Oh, okay. For those apparently, of you that don't know what the Losers Club is, it's from It. Yes, yes. from It. Um, and apparently I discovered I'm literally one shirt away from dressing like Bill Hader. It took me about <laughs> ten bucks and I had to <laughs> So, do with that, with that information what you will. Um, and then beside me, on our last but not least panelist, uh, we have Jordan. Hello. Um, Jordan, describe to me uh, your Halloween's growing up, because you have three younger siblings. What was that oh. like? Um... Pretty intense, like, because we would also have my cousins would come to our house and we'd all trick or treat together, so we just have like this big group of kids. So you're like a little mob of Halloween kids. <laughs> Essentially, all the Baptists going together. <laughs> see, when we see you guys come, we're just like, turn the light off, turn the light off, turn the light off. We want, we want, we want candy for ourselves, you know, like, because we have to give them each like two or three, right? And then we're all out and we're like, damn it, you know. Uh, come to my area, we all have leftover candy, so around like 7 30, we start giving out. Gigantic handfuls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we also have to do that because there's not too many um, kids. kids in our neighborhood anymore. Yeah. So right. there's like we I think last year we only had like five. Oh. Yeah, we used to have a lot yeah, more like, candy uh, than that too. Yeah, hey man, more candy for you. It's all that matters, right? It's yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I know you're going to work the next day, and everyone has like boxes of candy that mm -hmm. they couldn't get rid of, and don't want to feel guilty. And you go to the store, and everything's on sale for candy exactly. the next day, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a tip great. for everybody out there: go to the store the next day. Everything's mm -hmm. like two dollars for like ten packs or whatever. And do it at Shoppers and get your points. <laughs> exactly. Save <Absolutely. laughs> awesome. so you know, those awesome points baby, if you're Canadian. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a switch. <laughs> okay, shall we get started? Sure, why not? Um, okay, Sam, did you want to start with us? Because I, we, she has to leave a little bit early this episode, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah. So did you want to start us off? Who did sure. you have? I had the master of cameos, Clint Howard, Ron Howard's brother. You all know him. <laughs> so Clint Howard, or sorry, uh, Clint Howard of what fame, should we say? What is yeah. he known for? Not much. <laughs> So, That's why uh, he's in the machine. <laughs> so, um, first one that I watched, like, I kind of go and go through chronological order, because okay. that's the thing. So, I have him as a five-year-old in The Fugitive. Apparently, he was in two episodes, but for some reason... Oh, TV series. Oh, okay. Yeah, the original. Right. Uh, for some reason, 
CBS All Access has all the episodes except for season three, episode 11. So we're only dealing with the first one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask why. So basically at this point, he is just a kid. Richard Kimball has found out that his father's given away his books and he's like, oh, goodness gracious, he'd never give away his books unless he's dying. So let's risk going back to jail and go see his father. <laughs> and while he's there, he sees his sister. And Clint Howers is one of his sister's kids. Hmm. Yeah. Does he say anything? Or is he just... Um, he's basically a five-year-old running around acting like a pain in the ass. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Huh. It's an interesting episode because his brother is suicidal because of all the fallout from his brother's killing his I wife, apparently. This is news to me. I didn't know that this was a TV series. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna lie. I, I think I may have heard it was, but I didn't remember until you It's from it. the 60s, so it's what oh actually inspired the 1995 movie. Yes. Yeah. So it paved the way for us to have Harrison Ford. <laughs> yes. And so, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, no, um... So Clint Howard ran so Harrison Ford could walk, basically. Well, Clint Howard was like <laughs> a pain in the ass going, Mom, I want my family Mom, back. I want my I went into the wrong room and took out this lovely little piece of handcuff that if the cop had seen it, we'd be done. Okay. Yeah, he's what kind is of about these, What's about these 60s kids? They're always the most annoying kids when you go back and watch them. Like, they're like, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. So they all talk to parents in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Adults. yeah, yeah. No, exactly, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, it just told me that he has a very active 55-year career, because, yeah, he's five at this point. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh. And then we go on to him being eight and playing Rue in the blustery day in Winnie the Pooh. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. That's cute. So this is Paula. 1968. Okay, to be perfectly honest, this is my favorite Winnie the Pooh episode. I watched it so many times I broke the VHS set. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's love. Yeah. Yes. Um, so basically, this is the one where the half alums come in, and Tigger is an asshole and gives uh, Winnie the Pooh nightmares while there's oh, a massive storm right. out. I remember this. So refresh my memory. The half alums oh. were the purple elephants. Yeah, they're yes. the elephants, and the woozles are also in this, which are the weasels. Half alums and woozles. I don't yes, really exactly. remember the yeah. woozles. So yeah, they're in the same song together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So basically, it's like Winnie the Pooh went on acid and had yeah, I a this. really, really bad trip while having a nightmare while mm. his God. house is flooding and That's right. earlier... That's right, I remember this. <laughs> and earlier, um, Owl's house got blown down because it's a massive windstorm. Mm-hmm. And now Eeyore's looking for a house and Owl's beat... One of my favorite parts about this is Owl is absolutely useless Christopher Robin goes and says, hey, go find Piglet and Wayne the Pooh. And instead, once he finds them, instead of like going, hey, there they are, let me go get help, he decides to lecture them. Yes. And tell I remember Pooh this. To... I remember this. And I think he tells Pooh or Piglet to shut up, basically, when they're like, there's a waterfall. <laughs> Quiet, I'm talking. Hey, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that. basically it. Um, and like, Rue's in it for a hot two seconds saying like, hey, I found this water bottle oh, wow. and things like, and that's Clint Howard at eight. Is Rue. So, okay. so, yeah, like so you had like two lines? Or whatever? Uh, a little bit more, actually. A little bit more? Okay. I would say okay. probably about like 10, 15 lines. Not too bad. Interesting. Basically, yeah, he's good at being a kid. I didn't know Child actor. Dude, yeah. I, remember, I remember that movie so well. That, that You're right. That is, it's like it's like if Fantasia went horribly wrong, basically. Yeah, basically. Is when that happens. Apparently, that's what well, I It almost like. goes horribly wrong already in the 40s, but, <laughs> yeah. like, but it's just how it's done. It's like a whole bunch of weird colors, like very strange colors. Yeah. And... 
it's it's supposed to be elephants and weasels, but because like uh, Tigger has honey in his mouth when he's talking, he's like, that's what I said, epilump from woofles. You know, yeah, so that's exactly. why it's, oh, that's why think, it ends up like that. I did so not yeah. know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, and sixty. So who knows? Maybe the person did happen to uh, have some pud or something, or acid. Yes. I don't probably know. more than pot. <laughs> probably or a little, acid, yeah. Or yeah. I don't know. People were dropping a lot it of things. It is the year that day, before dude. Woodstock, so we don't really know mm. what's going on there. It's a build up to Woodstock. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is the build up to Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> there was Winnie the Pooh, and then there was Woodstock, <laughs> so that all these bands could be discovered. Exactly. So then next, you get far and away with uh, a very young baby Tom Cruise with a terrible yes. Irish accent. So we can but really I see it. Adriana's excitement across the room. It's one of her absolute <laughs> favorite movies. Directed by Ron Howard. Yes! yes. Mm-hmm. So that's why his little brother is in it. Yes. I'm being like, Surprise. yeah. So um, the movie itself was okay. Was it bad? I wanted to go like, why is your accent so terrible? Well, they have baby. Oh, shit, is that a baby? <laughs> but do you like my hat? Do you like my hat? Say, I have not say seen you like it. my hat. <laughs> say you like my hat. You should watch it. I, I think have, you actually might like it. Adrian has been wanting to show me this movie for a while. It's a three hour epic that's like a movie. It's, not it's three hours? hours? No, no, no. It's two hours and 20 minutes, what? 10 minutes of, tra- like, of uh, credits. So, what is the oh premise of this movie? It's for like those it's three parts. I got it, I got it. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's three parts. The first part is he... Okay, so Tom Cruise's character, Joseph Donnelly, is a tenant farmer, poor as hell. Basically, the English are destroying everything, as per usual, because they're the English. (laughs) (laughs) Seems average, but... Yeah, so um, his father dies because people are being assholes in the streets, and then he goes to bury his father, and, you know, they didn't pay their rent to the landlord so best option is to burn down their house jackasses so they burn down the house joseph is pretty upset and decides i'm going to go take revenge and kill the landlord okay uh yeah it doesn't go well (laughs) so shannon pops out which is nicole kidman yeah Yeah, okay nicole kidman is that really potentially matt no, because they did two other movies as well. Oh, yeah. Because they did Eyes Wide Shut and also Days of Thunder. So. Yeah. yeah, so right. then you come to this one, they have a pretty good chemistry But their chemistry already. is like full on, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, she basically stops him by stabbing him in the leg with a pitchfork, and then he hops. Ow. Yes. Love at first sight. <laughs> Love at first sight. Stab you with a pitchfork. Um, I love you so much, I want you to never walk again. <laughs> You're so not going anywhere. limping to go kill her father, <laughs> and then his rifle blows up in his face. How is wow. he not dead? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, how is he not dead? Oh, yeah, and then there is a wonderful scene where he's naked, except for, like, a chamber pot over top of area. even my movies, too. Yeah, so... The chamber um, pot over the area. <laughs> I mean, no one was complaining when we watched it. No, it was... Except for the chamber pot. <laughs> that was a very happy chamber pot. Yeah. <laughs> so, the mother leaves this room at this point and leaves Nicole Kidman alone with... Stronger, and so she very gleefully goes over and starts lifting it occasionally, like multiple to, times. Like a back to the future sort of scenario. Yeah, basically. So yeah, that was that, and then duel, and then let's go to America because that's a smart idea. Part two. Yeah. Well, so now we're on the second part. This is another movie within a movie. It's like Inception. So it's like yeah. chapters. No, not necessarily. But it's just, like, three very different, like, tones okay, and yeah. very different narratives. Okay, okay. So, at this point, we meet Clint Howard's character, because they're poor AF at this point, and they need money. So, they're working in a chicken factory, and she's plucking the chickens off. And our lovely Clint Howard is Flynn, who's an asshole. 
who's a manager and just constantly berates her. Okay. And that's his role. Okay. Yeah. Is he believable? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would honestly. He's really he is, creepy. Yeah, he is creepy. He, he's very good at creepy. But okay. again, it's a throwaway character. There's no need for it in the plot. Gotcha. Like he's there. He's good for what. And he so is. the career. Other fails. than being like Ron Howard's brother. <laughs> yeah. 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 So basically, Ron Howard's like, my brother needs a paycheck. Let me throw you in here. So that was that one. Finally, we get to Apollo 13, and he actually yes. has oh, okay. a role. He has two. But one's actually significant. Okay, I gotta, I gotta put, put this one out there. This what? movie is awful, and I will watch it really? back to back. Like if it's on TV, I will sit my butt down. It's like three I hours on TV, and I will it. watch it. I enjoyed it. It has horrible reviews. That is absolutely fascinating because it's actually decent. I know it has horrible reviews. The, also, the best part—if you have the chance—listen hmm? to the commentary because it's literally Ben Affleck just trashing it, hitting the table. <laughs> so, damn. Are you thinking of Armageddon? Maybe I'm thinking of Armageddon. You are definitely okay, thinking of Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. Apollo Thirteen is one with Tom Hanks. Gotcha, okay. Yes. Apollo 13 is about Apollo 13. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. the disaster in space that never actually made it to the moon? Yes. Yes, that one. And it does have your babies in it. Which ones? <laughs> you got a baby Bill Paxton. You got a baby Rest Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Bacon, that's right. Ed Harris. Ed Harris is yeah. in it, too. Oh, no, that's that's Olivia. There, that's okay, it. for anyone oh, who watches okay. NCIS, it also has a baby for now. Just putting it out there. Oh, okay. <laughs> So Olivia, for the listeners, is Adriana's younger sister, yes. and one of her biggest loves of her life is Ed Harris. Yeah, or is not she called young Ed Harris, old Ed Harris. Brain <laughs> yeah. failing. So. Okay, continuing. <laughs> or Bay, as she or says. Or Bay, as she says. And she's twenty one. What the kids so. say. Yeah. So it was actually pretty interesting. So for those of you who don't know, um, Apollo thirteen is a massive disaster in which um, they used a flammable insulator connected to the oxygen tanks. So once they stirred them, when there was a break in it, they stirred the oxygen shakes, which caused a massive explosion. For those of you who don't know, oxygen is highly flammable. So if you have an oxygen-rich area, don't light a cigarette. So um, it explodes in space. They can't make it to space. They're basically this entire movie is them DIYing, MacGyvering the heck out of everything in order to make sure that the astronauts get home. Mm-hmm. All the scenarios that they went through... Um, when that disaster happened, they had no protocols for. No one thought the oxygen tanks were going to explode. No one thought that they're going to have to live in one of the um, ships and not the other because their carbon filters didn't match. Why would you have a circular one in one engine and a square one in the other? Stupidity. So that's basically the movie. But Clint Howard actually has two roles. The first one is Cy Liebergott, which he basically is the guy who suits up Tom Hanks and like steps on him at one point to pull the seat. And his only lines are like, I'm You're sorry, going to walk. He steps on So them? in order to pull the um, straps tight, you actually have to step on their shoulder and pull gotcha, them. So okay. he literally steps on him. Okay. Hmm. Legit. So he's only in about it for 30 seconds over two scenes. But then there's another role. Econ <laughs> White. Which actually is actually a really big role because he's basically telling everybody what's going wrong how they can fix it, reporting back after the massive explosion mm. and leaking oxygen. And then throughout it, he also is talking about like, oh, well, this is another problem that they're experiencing. And his acting is really good, really believable. You really can sense the desperation and confusion at the catastrophic failure. So 
Ron Howard, you put your brother in a good role. Aren't you nice? <laughs> For once. Yeah. So, you can do it. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good. That's and what you. year is this movie from? 1995. Okay. Yeah, 1995. Yeah. yeah, sorry. It's not Armageddon. I had to catch you there because I was like, oh, no, no, man. please do. I was, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> There's no asteroid in this one. Who's <laughs> trashing the movie from oh, beginning to end. He's like, this scene is stupid. That doesn't work. I hate working <laughs> with this actor. This is all bullshit. Okay, I need to watch that I need to watch it. At literally at one point, he asks Michael Bay, the director of the movie, he, he says, isn't it easier to train, like, you know, a bunch of astronauts to do drilling than it is to take a bunch of oil drillers and yes, train them to become yes, astronauts? And, and Ben, Michael Bay says, shut the fuck up, Ben. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah. Like, 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 it's really, like he's, really like funny. He's, yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> it's and like, really funny. Honestly, if you the more like we ben hit the table, the more this pops up, FYI, everybody. <laughs> if you don't like Ben Affleck as an actor, I, I highly recommend him for his audio commentary. Oh, so funny. So he does audio commentary for Gone Girl too. One of the funniest audio commentaries I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also gets high in his audio commentary with Kevin Smith. All right, yes. I'm going to get to the last one because I've been on this for <laughs> like way too long, people. Random okay. tangent, back to the Yes. So the last, and definitely least, <laughs> Ooh, oh boy. Beethoven's fifth. Oh, oh, literally, okay, honestly, that series should have ended after the first one. My God. <laughs> I Scandal. highly disagree. And was the second one good? Second, the I fifth one sucks. I don't love it up until three. The one okay. where I had the puppies. To be perfectly okay, really honest, I haven't seen any of them. My dad is really partial to animal movies. Oh, okay. He loves a good dog movie, so... Like, <laughs> I like Bud. That dogs. one I could I do, do not, I actually don't like your Dog's dog. Way Home? I really don't... Okay. But I don't like, like sports. So, dogs and sports are not in combination. Am I the only one who likes sports in this room? I like sports. I like sports. Yeah, I like sports. Anyways, moving on. He's in it for... Of course. Why'd you leave Kawhi? He's not going to hear you. He left. He, he long He died. wanted to be with his family. I know, I know. Who then, yeah, anyways. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. He's gone. Sports. Um, <laughs> Sports, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically this one is the generic, oh, long ago there was two robbers who were in love. And then they uh, decided to steal money, and they lost the money. But, oh, they really didn't, and we need to find this money. And obviously the kid with the dog, finds part of the money, and everyone's searching for it. There might be ghosts, there might not be a ghost. Oh, there's people who are jerks, and politicians are corrupt, because the politician is corrupt. That hasn't changed. Yeah, no, it hasn't changed at all. So basically, it's... Elsa would not fly today. Yes, this was done in 2005, but, like, there's sex jokes every two seconds. There's some... Like, there's an adult... Yeah, and there's also, like, an adult gambling the entire time and gambling with the kids, and he's lost everything, and they make a joke about it. He literally, at one point, gambles away his cashier register. Oh. Yeah, okay. so, um, like, that's a background joke at one point. Um, so Clint Howard's character is absolutely useless in it. Um, <laughs> what does he do? He exits his house in full scuba gear, saying, it's dry, too dry. <laughs> and then God. there's a second scene where he's in it and he exits the lake covered in seaweed going it's wet too wet and, and that's supposed and to be like a joke right he, I, yeah he thinks the climate's going to change and that we have to get used to living in the water 
Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's about he's it. Not this wrong. is this is climate change. This is he's not wrong. Also, this town's called Quicksilver because they are mining. They used to mine mercury, and the scientists are all wrong. Mercury doesn't actually cause any health issues at all, which is kind of slightly insensitive. Does that mean that everybody's crazy in the town? Yes, that's also yeah. a running joke. Yeah, they're um, drinking all the mercury in the water. That's kind yeah. of cringy. Yeah, so it's it's good. Bad. Very bad. Gotcha. <laughs> I, well, okay, I did message Nicole at one point and be like, I'm watching this movie at 1.5 times speed. Do you yeah. try to get through it as quickly yeah, as possible? Yeah, to get through it as fast Damn. as possible. Wow. Yeah, if I could still hear the audio at twice speed, I would have. Unfortunately, you can't. <laughs> I mean, we all have one of those movies, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anything else? No, that's about it. Clint okay. Howard, do actual, like, movies. Don't be a cameo person. Sure. Just work with your brother and ask for a bigger role. You yeah. Know, that's yeah. all you gotta but do. But also, now he's got his niece, he can help. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Ron Howard, don't be an ass. Let your little brother have a bigger role. He did well in Apollo 13. He, he made it into our bag. He's a real actor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Poor dude. He's been in movies for 55 years, and basically every single thing is a cameo, except for Apollo 13. Yeah, which was a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Not, a, not a terrible movie. Okay. A yeah. great movie. No, I love Apollo 13. Understood. <laughs> How you got those mixed yeah. up. I don't know. <laughs> you know space movies, okay? Jeez. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, Who wants to go next? Jason, would you like to continue? Sure, sure, why not? So my person that I had this week was I had Jack Nicholson. Okay? <laughs> I had Jack Nicholson. Can you, can you do the eyebrows? Yeah, and I can't do the eyebrows. I really can't do the eyebrows. I wish I could. It's, it, what, it's the meme that goes around where he's like nodding, like... You know, or something like that. Anyways, I officially got freaked out by that look and moving. Perfect. Well, well, that's well, that's exactly how he is in a lot of the movies, right? He's yeah. And I, I, the movies that I ended up watching, I'll just say, I guess I can just say the movies and then I'll go into them each one. So the five movies that I chose to watch were Bucket List, uh, Batman, Mars Attacks, A Few Good Men, and As Good as It Gets. So I'll start with the Bucket List just because that's more recent and because he hasn't done a movie in like it been like well, like right? 11 years yeah mm-hmm. he was yeah. he's old mm-hmm. he's old yeah um but for the bucket list he it's that to me this struck me as more of a safe role for him because it's not really that monumental of a role it's just him he's he's so he plays like you know this sort of terminally ill cancer patient who befriends another sort of terminally ill patient played by morgan freeman and i feel like the draw of the movie is just sort of seeing them together do a cool things the script isn't really that great. So, but like, cause like, you know, Jack Nicholson, in almost all of these movies that I'm going to talk about, he plays a very detestable person. The person who's just <laughs> rude, obnoxious, an asshole, ignorant. And sometimes he comes around and sometimes he just doesn't come around. And for me, a lot of the things in Bucket List, like, uh, it's, it would draw a lot of people to see the movie, but for him, I like, he's not, he does a little bit of acting in, in some scenes. Like, like when he talks about, like, there's a weird scene in Bucket List where he talks about how he like put a hit out on somebody who was like, going after his daughter I think or something and it's like it's totally out of place they're on top of the, the pyramids okay. and it's like it's obviously a green screen backdrop too which is really funny oh, God. and um, and then he's talking about it like you know I've done some bad things in my life you know when I did that and then I had to live with it I'm like wait so you just casually you know just found a hitman to send out and like you know maybe potentially put a hit on on somebody that like you know you just didn't like or something like that's not a very casual thing you could just sort of throw out there it was very strange and um, and they're just they're uh, like he's the rich guy who goes with Morgan Freeman around the globe to do all these things to, as as a bucket list? So like we're gonna uh, we're gonna skydive. We're gonna we're gonna go to the top of the pyramids. We're gonna travel here because he has a lot of money and he just felt like I guess 
he has somebody to finally share it with, I guess. But then so there's some struggles. Morgan Freeman is the rich one. No, he's not, no, he's not the rich one. He's oh. he, he's the one who worked in a car shop and very recently found out he has cancer. The movie opens with him, and then he comes in and he's lying next to Jack Nicholson on the bed, who is the very rich, wealthy, and well-known one uh-huh. who is now having surgery performed on him and told that he has this long to live and that whatever and stuff. Very- it is. It, it's kind of depressing, and it wants to be like, but a happy celebration of life as they, you know, race around the tracks in very clear green screen once again, mm. uh, in these super fast cars as they drive around the freeway and stuff. So, yeah, and um, and uh, I think that when you when you Jack Nicholson can play this role in his sleep, there's nothing really that's really that monumental to it, which is why I was sort of like, nah, it's not a, it's a pretty forgettable movie. It's not a horrible movie. I think Rob Reiner actually directed it, hmm. but um, you know, so, yeah. yeah, and he has, but he hasn't, you know. Like, uh, he's done a lot of good movies in the past, but I feel like more recently he's done some sort of iffy movies and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And then when he did Batman, which is obviously a way more interesting role, yes. uh, you know, that's... Uh, some people still argue that he's the best sort of Joker and stuff, right? But I wouldn't. I think there's better, but I think he's really good in what he is because that was the first sort of big comic movie to take Batman seriously. Yeah. So but when you approach the Joker like that, that could very easily have been a uh, very laughable character but it turns into a very nightmarishly laughable and darkly funny character which is a good thing yeah i i love the scene where they're in the art gallery mm-hmm. and they're like spray painting all the art that's right yeah i i, I know yeah i think he kind of plays a fine line between like he's not quite at the heath ledger sort of level mm-hmm. but he's also not in like the 1960 campy adam west mm-hmm. one <laughs> yeah. either which bang. like yeah yeah bang and pow and yeah. holy rusted metal yeah Batman. like there's a definitely yeah. like a darker element underneath mm-hmm. and like i feel like if they looked at the character if push came to shove if you pushed him too much he would become like heath ledger's character exactly um Totally. So it's almost like an early prototype. It yeah. is. No, it really is. Because, right. uh, you know, Tim Burton created the, you know, the world that, you know, it treated Gotham as something serious versus just a city where there's a bomb going off in 10 minutes and don't worry, Batman's going to save it in time. Instead, it's more like, how does Batman hide his persona and all that stuff? And how does the Joker actually, like, build, like he builds himself up to be like a mob boss, which is mm-hmm. different from the other movies, which is interesting. But the really interesting thing that I found was doing some backstory on this was, like, how Jack Nicholson got the role in the first place because he originally was not, like, going to do it. And then wow. they... And then they offered him like a whole bunch of money. So there was there was so there was so much contract stipulations for him like on set. Like I need to have my own trailer. Like it was a lot of weird specific requests. He was getting six million in nineteen eighty nine dollars, which Ooh, is a lot. Wow. And he got a take of the box office. So That's uh, unusual. so then after all that was settled, then he signed on to play the Joker. And it was like one of the most expensive like you no know, act like supporting actor I think salaries ever or something. It was it was quite insane. <laughs> and. Um, but, but it's interesting how he chooses to toy with Batman only when he chooses. He's not like... He's he's the same man who got put in the toxic chemicals in the movie, and that's how he has the permanent smile. That's right. that's how they do the Joker in this movie and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's green, cartoon. It? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it still has that cartoonish element like the comics have, but it's yeah. done in a more serious way where he mm-hmm. does, you know, boo and have you ever danced with the devil, the devil moon. moonlight, which yeah. is apparently an improvised line, but, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's a role where his talents for being an asshole and being creepy and having that kind of timing that he always has in those movies really lends itself well to this kind of role because it really makes it, like, like when you think, when you watch Tim Burton's Batman, you, don't, you can't think of anybody else in that role. That's how you know that it was a good performance, you know? Like, so it's always great when you see those kind of movies. Definitely. And I always kind of feel like he would bully Tim Burton, though, just 
Tim Burton's kind of like a little short, little nerdy guy. And I'd yeah. Be like, yeah. He'd be like, okay, he'd be like, we're going to do it do this way. Yeah. And he'd be like, I'm not going to do that. He, he has the full makeup on. We're going to do it this way. Okay. Like, okay, whatever you want. <laughs> All right, whatever you want. And then he worked with Burton again on Mars Attacks, and I really, yes. really don't yes. like this movie. <gasps> oh, oh my god! Oh, right in the heart. Oh, because the this heart. movie cannot decide what kind of movie it wants to be, and that ticked me off when I was watching it. Is it a satire? Is it a comedy? Is it a political statement? It is, all. It is it's none all. of those things. It is none of those things. It's like the weird brain. That's yes, the that aliens movie. invade, and they're ridiculous Wait, how looking. How old is that movie? Is that that movie is ninety six, I think. That's ninety six. I seriously got a 65 for when nope. I watched it. No, no, but it's, it's Tim Burton's mid '90s. Yeah, it looks a lot older. It's it's Jack it's like Black Jack Black might be in it. That had a, that had a big repertoire of people. That's actually one of Jack Black's earliest roles. You're right. So I think from you're there, right. he took off. Yes. From that so movie. he's a baby in that. Yeah. He's a baby. In that. Actually, I think it was after '96 because I think it does a parody of Independence Day a little Why bit. So I think it might have been '97. Google. But um, <laughs> yeah, maybe ask Google. But um. But it's it's like Doctor Strange Love a lot, yes. where there's a lot of where there's a lot of weird decision making. Yeah. It's a very obvious satire. But for me, the movie just like I don't know. It just doesn't really. It just can't commit to one thing, and it kind of annoyed me throughout. I it don't know. It has Tom Jones. Oh yeah, that's the right. The aliens are killed by Tom. The Jones. The aliens are killed by Tom Jones. I know. That's true. Nineteen ninety six, everyone, and yes. Nineteen ninety six. Okay. Like I think that alone, and Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan's in it. Too. Yeah, there's a lot of big. Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, is in it too, right? Am I? Or yeah. Am I, yeah. I am. Pierce Brosnan gets his head cut off. No, it's not Michelle. Pfeiffer, it's Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, okay. Sarah Jessica Parker's attached to the dog. It's got a Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah, so very young Natalie Portman there, too, yeah. Sarah Um, Sarah Jessica Parker's attached to a dog's body, and Pierce Brosnan's attached to, like, a robot body, and they're, like, falling in love on a spaceship. That's right, I remember that. But uh, the thing about that movie is that he played... So Jack Nicholson's the president of the movie. He's, like, the like you know the president that's going to save us all. And he's, like, I know all the answers, but he actually obviously knows none of the answers. He's a very he's a very airheaded president. He's very mm-hmm. arrogant, thinking that he can do things the American way, but it's very clearly not going to work. And um, and then throughout the... not saying anything about the current one. <laughs> no, I know. Well, that's, what, that's sort of what the issue is. is that hashtag it, not the U.S. It's, it, hashtag <laughs> not the U.S., yeah. But the thing about this movie is, is that it's so, like, it's it plays things ridiculously, but then there's even, like, more ridiculous things happening in real life, so it seems like nothing. You know, like, like the whole parody that it's doing, compared to today, I guess, seems like a bit of a fart in the wind. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of like how, you know, when House of Cards was coming out, it was like, oh my god, this is so controversial, this is so, and then all those things happen. <laughs> you know, it's like, To so. be honest, if you're going to pick and choose, I'd rather have aliens over who we currently have sitting in the glass. It's going to be easier to deal with, especially if you just blast Tom Jones and that would be the solution to your problems. You so can't maybe do that. Maybe the blast... Honestly, a lot of these old films where they're talking about political things, the only one that I find doesn't feel like that is Dr. Strangelove because mm-hmm. it's still, like, world annihilation yeah. is something big. But also, we're dealing with that on world stage. So all yeah. these problems in old mm-hmm. political satirical movies are like... Oh, don't you know that happened last week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. we had just today we had a second true. whistleblower. So like, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't really Absolutely. affect us anymore. Oh, totally. No, and and I'm and I'm not saying the Mars Attacks it's like a poorly made movie. It's just I've just seen Tim Burton do way better. And for yeah. me, for me, I'm just watching and I'm sort of like I didn't find it that funny. I just found it odd. I, I guess. I actually think it plays so much into what he's about because he yeah. is an old. Have you watched it? No, that's fair. That's fair. So. And I think it actually has a lot more spirit than the stuff he does now. He's having fun. The mm. actors seem like they're having fun. Um, what do you mean? Is actors having fun? 
Well, it's, not, it's, not it's not allowed. It's not allowed. So, and like, come on, and and the aliens are all physical, sort of practical effects, mm-hmm. which yeah. is something that would have been CGI it's, to hell, and there would be nothing there. Yeah, there, there are there is some bad. CGI ones, but yeah, most of it is practical, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. It's bad. It just it doesn't. If we watch it today, it falls flat to what it was meant to be back then. Yeah, because I it, watched it recently and I still love it. Oh, she still loves it. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. The, the, the definitive Tim Burton vote from across the table. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. And that's the thing. I don't like Tim Burton's new stuff. And so. I agree. Now I agree with you there. I mean, he has made a good. Movie. Don't <laughs> when was the last? When was the last time he made a good movie? Like what? Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. What was the movie? For for me, last the last what really good. Was okay. Yeah, but the last good movie for me was Sweeney Todd. That was the last good movie. Not saying it's a great movie, but I'm saying the last good movie was Where he thought. actually tried, yeah. Yeah. Because something like Big Guys was not good. Big Guys no. was okay, but he was trying, but just, eh, it was okay. So, and then he had Miss, per- was it Peregrine's Home Too long of a name children. to get sold yeah. is the answer was, to that. Did he do yeah. the uh, one that was filmed up in Whippy uh, with the vampires? Yes. Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. <laughs> the so only bad. reason I can Okay, I like Dark Shadows. So I'm doing this the entire time. That's a grand staircase of where I went to school. That's <laughs> that's the girls' locker room. That's the oh, boys' God. bathroom. <laughs> didn't, didn't one of your classmates see Johnny Depp or something yeah, like that? Yeah, just up the road. Yeah. yeah. No big deal. Yeah, no, so no that, deal, ladies and gentlemen. He's I, just an so, Oshawa. Not Oshawa. That's a Whitby. Sorry. It's I, older than Confederation, everybody. <laughs> damn. And I love how we haven't even mentioned the two Alice in Wonderland movies. Because we are here. Actually, actually, he didn't do the second one because his special effects get in the second one. Oh, but he did right. the first one. I'm actually yeah. kind of quite scared of his Mad Hatter. I don't like the clowniness mm-hmm. of a... Well, first one made $1 billion. So, yeah. Some, some people out there like that, apparently. Didn't he try to like pair them off? I don't know. Like together in the second one or something, like Alice uh, in the Mad Hat or something like that. I didn't, you, I didn't even see that one. You needed to help him something. with something. And then Sasha Baron Cohen was like a clock or something. Oh, good. And then he's he probably actually one of the better parts of that. Oh, oh really? Was he? Okay. Um, but moving on to the next movie, uh, it was there was A Few Good Men, which is the one that he did. Obviously a very famous role for you him. You can't handle you the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> and uh, I remember reading an interview with, with uh, Aaron Sorkin, who wrote the movie. It's interesting how Aaron Sorkin is such a big screenwriter that we refer to a movie that he writes as an Aaron Sorkin movie versus the director of the movie, usually. <laughs> That's um, true. No, it really is. Like, oh, it's an Aaron Sorkin movie, even though he didn't direct it in most cases. That's you know? true. I never thought about um, But uh, for A Few Good Men, Aaron Sorkin uh, wrote it, and he talked about, he's like, so you know when you're writing these things, do you know, like, this is going to be an iconic line, or this hmm. is going to be a, do you know this? And he's like, honestly, you don't. Like, it's just, on the paper, it's just another line. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when, you know, Tom Cruise says, I want the truth, and then he says, you can't handle the truth, that's just on the next line for me, or you're not thinking, oh, this is the big moment where it's going to be parodied and remembered forever. Mm-hmm. But I like, I like, I love it when the small roles are actually good, you know, when, when they can actually steal some scenes, even though they only have a very short amount of screen mm-hmm. time, because he's only in, like, the last act yeah. of the movie, um, as when he's on the stand taking the thing when Tom Cruise is trying to convince him to admit what he did, and because if he admits what he did, then he's admitting that it's wrong and everything like that. So right. it's a very, it's a very tense scene. And it's, 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 I just like it because he's, he's not an asshole in this one necessarily, but he's just a very proud individual who really believes yeah. that he made the right decision. So it's really cool trying to watch Tom Cruise sort of break down the fact that, you know, what he did was wrong and everything like that. And the guy's in Jack Nicholson still standing up. It's this really great sort of back and forth that ends in that sort of 
great monologue beginning with you can't handle the truth and all that other stuff and yeah i mean this is it's it's again it's another one of those roles you can't see anybody else being in that role even though even though it's so small i really like the roles in a lot of movies where it's a small role that ends up getting a lot of attention like you know william hurt in history of violence and where he's in there for like one scene but it's like an amazing scene and you know and then same with this and a bunch of other scene stealers that happen though those are really cool when those happen so of course yeah Yeah. also just credit to the merit of their ability right Mm -hmm. they're not like they're not in there for the whole time and you come in for five minutes and everybody steal the show yeah Yeah. and they're also willing to pay them to come in for five minutes yeah, to steal the show. yeah like, that's, that's how much they know yeah. you know how good they are and obviously since jack nicholson's very you know very well known for being picky for what he wants to do sort of next uh you know <laughs> this was this was 90s but i mean it was still a pretty monumental role that got him it got him nominated i don't think he won think I, I, so. he definitely got nominated for sure um and then the last one was uh i, I think i picked what is i think I, he won for best actor for was for as good as it gets did he win for that one i can't remember if he won oh, for that one off that the top one. of my, my head grandfather loves that movie yeah yeah, it's an amazing movie. Yeah, no, it's a really good movie, and it's it's it's, it's because the, the, this. I always I always get that one, and something's got to give mixed up. I but, think that's what I'm oh, confusing, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. 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 yeah, because like they're, they're very similar. They're similar, but they're different. You know, directors. But and stuff. like, as good as it gets, it's just like a very good like arc for him. Yeah, it's Jack. That is literally the epitome of like Jack Nicholson acting. Yes. is is a total asshole right who becomes a lovable person by the Which end. Which one are we talking about? As good as it gets. Yeah, no, the, that is the one that my grandfather Yeah. Was. Okay. And, um, and so, so like, all throughout his entire career, like, you know, in one floor of the cuckoo's nest and all these things, like, he's yeah. just, he's this guy who comes in being arrogant, being an asshole. In this movie, he's even sexist and homophobic because Greg Kinnear mm-hmm. is a gay neighbor in this one. And he, and, and he got nominated, I think, for supporting yeah. this movie as well. It's a really and he's and he's a great role. And he also has a little bit of OCD as well. Like he has to turn the knob three times. Oh. He has to turn the thing. Like he's very he's very lives a very he's like sh- a germaphobe. He can't oh, step over any so cracks. many things. Yeah. yeah, so many things. And and but he's trying. And there's Helen Hunt who's in it as well. Is trying to get through to him and trying to you know you know, be with him and, and having an interesting relationship with him. And just, you know, there's the famous line in the movie is um, all the things that he said, all the horrible things they said throughout the movie. And she's like, can't you just say one good thing to me? Just say one good thing to me right now. And he looks at her in the eye and he says, you make me want to be a better man. Wow. Right? See? The, Done. The, right? Done. So that, that, that is... Even take me home, Jack. Sorry. <laughs> let, let, let me say it like Jack Nicholson. You make me want to be a better man. Right? And good night. You know? And good night. <laughs> and that's the show. And, and, and I can see the 90s audience in the theater going like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. But, um... <laughs> But I, mean, it, I haven't seen it, and I'm already. But but but, it, but, it, but it's a perfect compliment because he's actually like reaching out, trying to connect with her after everything that's happened in the movie. And I don't want to spoil what happens in the movie if you haven't seen it. But it's it's, it's that is that is the Jack Nicholson role. Yes. That's the epitome of everything that he does. Even things like about Schmidt, you can see mm-hmm. echoes of it, and you know as good as it gets. And everything else that he's done, something's got to give is very similar, but not as good to the extent, in my opinion, as as good as it gets. So. So that's sort of my bit on Jack Nicholson. I think he's a great actor, and I wish he would come back and do something, honestly. So, awesome. Yeah. Besides party at the Oscars. Besides party at the Oscars and go to Laker games. You know, like just... Yeah, I was going to say, there's pictures of the Lakers, but that's not a job anyways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Anyways, Jack, the point is we want you to come back. Yeah. We love you. Uh, we love you. Um, I'll be back soon. Okay. I need $60 million. <laughs> I got to make more than Daniel Craig coming back to Jordan's yeah. Jeez, apparently. Oh, man. $60 million? 50 well, oh, only. well, after he, after he, after he said he's gonna slit his wrists if he ever plays James Bond yeah, again, yeah. But so you're gonna need you're you're gonna need at least thirty. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, thirty is what they got to get Matt Damon back into uh, Jason Bourne, and literally he said 
30 words. So a million dollars each yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, he said nothing. Demon didn't say he didn't slit his wrists. Yeah, that's true. No. Why? He, he, he said he would do it. Yeah. This is why you say nothing. This is why you say nothing. Yeah, yes. because now you know it doesn't make me want to see it. to sue him as well. Yeah. Because he had a contract saying he'd do five, and he got seriously I, hurt. I remember he got really hurt, but he still has to be careful. Like, just to uh, say, I say that what, too. What, I know, what do we pay the stuntman for then? Just, you know, have an ego about it. You know, like, sure, do your own stunts, but, like, then have a person in if you know you're not concerned about making it. I know? think even though, like, once that there wasn't going to be ma- major issues, because look at the Jeremy Renner one where he broke both of his That's right. arms, and that That's wasn't true. even a serious, like, a What really was that for? Legacy? No, Tag. Oh, right. God, that's right. He was just chairs, and, he, and they collapsed on him, and I, that's how he broke both, both his arms. That's yeah. right. And, th- and, they, and then didn't they have to, like, CGI they his arms? Yeah, for his, arms. Through the movie, that's right. You didn't hear about this? And that's why he wasn't using the bow and arrow throughout uh, all of Endgame, because he could not hold the bow and arrow anymore. The secrets of the movie industry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's why he's wrong Brought to again. you by us. <laughs> um, Continuing, let's okay, move on. Okay, should I move on? Adriana. Yes. Okay, so I had Marissa Tomei, Ooh. which I love, 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 love. So okay. Hashtag Amy is hot. <laughs> My grandfather's girlfriend. <laughs> just just so saying what everybody's thinking that. out there. Okay, that's Ooh. what I'm saying. I don't associate that with what's his face. Anyways, continue. Wait. <laughs> Who's what's his face? Um. Spider-Man, what is his name? Tom Holland? Tom Holland. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, I'm yeah she's one. not... She should be in a, her she's own... She's honestly not a bad Spider-Man. Just, there's just There's just better. I'm not yes. saying he's the oh, best. Yes, there's better. There's right. better. He's better than he's... Tom McGuire. Oh! Oh, shots fired, ladies and gentlemen. Raindrops keep Toby, falling she didn't mean it. Toby, she didn't mean it. I mean it. She didn't mean it. Anyway, back to her. Okay, so first one was The Wrestler from 2008. And... Uh, this is when Marissa Tomei is back into, like, a supporting actress role. But uh, I really liked her in this one. She's more down-to-earth. She plays Cassidy, so she's a more mature stripper who befriends uh, the wrestler played by Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting because she's not just on the sidelines for this one. She's more animated, and she has, like, a more what specific role in assisting... The wrestler and trying to make him be a better man. He's not just concerned about being in the ring all the time. <laughs> she talks to him about being more of a father figure to her to his daughter and. Yeah, and I think that's basically yeah. Well, th- well, I think that the whole thing, the crux of the movie, relies on he co- comes to her originally to like try and get romantically involved with her. Yeah, and then, and then she doesn't have any of it. She's okay. just, but she does decide to be his friend because she can see that she's an older woman in a young girl environment. It's a little bit tougher. And he's also an older man in a young man environment. And they're both sort of struggling. So they have that connection there. So they do try and help each other's lives that out. Was, yeah, that was kind of cool and, that she kind of does shut him down every time. Yeah. And you think like, yeah. oh, the third time he asks her out, they're finally going to get together. But she's like, no, like, I'm here for you. But not like romantically. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a yeah. different. So it's a bit different. It's supporting. Not like yeah. You're yeah. weighing me down the more you ask. Yeah. Or yeah. like you know, the hooker Aaron, with the heart. This is an Aronofsky <laughs> movie, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the hooker with the heart yeah. stereotype that I'll soothe you because you're sad. And like and she's always there and he always goes back to her, but at least. But it's like a yeah, true yeah. friendship. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, more yeah. genuine. It's not like they bang and then they're friends for the rest of the movie. It's yeah. like they don't bang. And they bond with each other through trying to help each other's lives out, which and makes more sense. Yeah. You said this is Aronofsky? Yeah, it's Aronofsky. And that's kind of surprising. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it this is a much more straightforward like one. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, that was like a really good 2008 movie. Really simple story, but she's a really good supporting actress in that one. That's a great final shot, I will say. And that was like the, re- the somewhat return of Mickey Rourke. That's right. <laughs> it was until he didn't win at the Oscars for it. I, know, I feel bad for him. I know. <laughs> I really do. Even no, when but... you guys watch the trailer, it has like Mickey Rourke as like in his comeback role as the wrestler who is also coming back. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like echoing his character and then. And then it's like, oh, wait, what did happen? Well, I was so bad for him, though, because he did win something. He did win... No, he got, no, he, he got nominated for that, and Sean Penn won for Milk that year. No, did he get he a did, Golden Globe or something? He won a Golden Globe or something like Me? that. Yeah, I think he did. No, he might, you might be right. Yeah, I remember he, his he might have won some hardware. he thanked his dogs, and he was like... Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, he won the, the maybe he won the Globe then. You're yeah. probably right. Yeah, okay. But not the Oscar. That's fair. But, yeah, no, like, it sucks that he didn't continue picking great roles because he did like you know Iron Man 2 which is like considered one of the worst Marvel movies that came out and he's whiplash in that movie right and uh you know and 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 then when you when you're getting bad reviews he just kept doing crappier movies instead of picking more interesting roles like The Wrestler which you know sucks I wish like you know he's very good in The Wrestler I just wish he picked better roles and get his yeah. career back on track you know, yeah. and stuff because this is supposed to be he's the comeback actor, and it, yeah. it was the comeback for like one year so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish he would come back too yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that was her role in that one. Um, then chose Elfie from two thousand four. So this is the remake of the Michael Caine version. Uh, so do you want to tell the audience about your cat before we get started? <laughs> yeah. So one of the reasons I picked this movie <laughs> um, when I got my kitten when I was seventeen, um, I looked into my cat's green eyes and I was like, his name is gonna be Elfie, named after the incredible Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> so very partial to the Hey, at least there's a reason. Some people name their kid like Mittens because they have no, no original. Yeah, no, it's going to be after a hot actor. Or that's Laz- for sure. Or Laszlo. Laszlo. Oh, my God, right. Who's, who's, whose cat is named Laszlo again? Um, one of my friends. Oh, okay. Okay. That I'll be renaming their cats. <laughs> he who shall not be named. It's going to be named Rick Dalton. Yeah, that poor, poor cat. My God. I hey, want to watch your name Laszlo. You're Laszlo. <laughs> It just reminds me of Camp Laszlo. <laughs> Do you remember? Don't ever forget. You're Laszlo. Yeah. Laszlo. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to forget it. Don't worry. Oh, like I know. The elephant and everything. Yeah. That's what Anyways. <laughs> okay, so back to Elfie. Um, I actually really love the, this remake just as a movie altogether. I find it's more redeemable than the Michael Caine one huh. because I find the Michael Caine is just like a British prick the whole movie and like there's nothing to redeem like he just uses women and like he doesn't really seem to learn from his mistakes whereas they kind of switch that in the 2004 version so like throughout like Jula does have a bigger arc he you can see that he actually feels sorry for like the way he mistreats women and it's pretty bad Mm -hmm. he has the main girlfriend which is played by Marissa Tomei but he's a limo driver he goes around town sleeping with other women course rich and that's the way he kind of like mooches off people but marissa tomei like does love him and she has a daughter and she's trying to be there for him she tries to like you know be that main person person to come back home to but it just he just doesn't get it until it's too late Mm -hmm. so that's kind of interesting um again she's always kind of paired as like the supporting actress to these like leading men but here she has like a nicer arch as well because she doesn't just stick it out she does end up not being with him mm-hmm. and then even at the end when he's like trying to be to grovel and come back to her she's just like oh no like I've moved on and she's with somebody else so okay. it's like she's gotten out of that toxic relationship mm-hmm. and found somebody else 
So then you realize, too, like, you see it in Alfie's eyes. He's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I really messed it up. Yeah. I fucked up. Yeah. So that was a good supporting uh, role for her. Not too much in the movie, but she's in it throughout. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a theme with her. She picks a lot of the damaged women supporting yeah, roles. Yeah, like, she is always a support. I feel but like... No, it's not she plays them bad. It's no. just always happens to be that. But yeah. she deserves better than that. Yeah, no. Yes. no I, I, it's, it's, again, she doesn't play it bad. I'm just saying that it's weird that, like, whoever her agent always... is, her agent is, hey, we got another battered woman here that you can play. It's like, yeah. okay. Like, even yeah. then, in, we were talking about in the new Spider-Man. Yeah. She's Aunt May. Mm-hmm. She's always, like, the older, sexy woman. Yeah, the MILF. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can say that for the viewers. The viewers can look up what that is. Yeah, yeah we're not going to say what that actually is. Yeah, no, you don't have to say Use your urban dictionary for that Yes, one. yes. But that's literally what she yeah. seems to well, be picking roles in terms of that. hot Aunt May. Like, yeah. They make the joke that she's young and hot and Tony Stark tries to hit on her and wow, what great character development that is. <laughs> hashtag, yeah. hashtag Marissa Aunt May. Hashtag yeah. Justice 4. <laughs> 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 Aunt May. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, she's actually good as these, like, support... She does do... No, she's very good. She does take it to, like, another level. She makes mm-hmm. it more heartfelt. Yeah. But it just would be nice to see her in a leading role. And uh, for those who haven't seen My Cousin Vinny, it's a courtroom drama, and it's about people that were in the wrong place at the right time. And... Just these innocent people that get framed for murder, basically. So Joe Pecci has to, even though he's not a real um, lawyer, kind of has to... Be Joe Pesci and tell everybody to yeah. do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> basically. And well, you get over here and do this, and you get over here and do that. That's yeah. what he does the whole movie, basically. Pretty good Joe Pesci. Thank you. <laughs> Small, but... Small, but mighty. Gets it done. <laughs> Small, a lot of going on in a little package. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, am I a clown? Do I amuse you? Yeah. Um, she plays the very fun, feisty, but intelligent um, mechanic, and she's the girlfriend to Joe Pesci's And, uh, yeah, Marissa Tomei has, like, one of her most iconic lines in this role, and... What's the line again? My biological clock is ticking. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Got to get married. Yeah. You know, don't mess around. She is all about marriage, but she also knows cars extremely well. Yeah. Is she sitting there on the Aunt May motivational poster? <laughs> uh, definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> Yo, that would be a great poster. My, My biological clock is ticking. ticking. Yeah. It's so intimidating if you're a guy walking into the room, but otherwise, I mean. It's just like it rolls down to the ceiling like the minute you walk in. <laughs> so we've been together a year. Okay, here we go. Yeah. You know? so. Just be, are you playing something? Not in the least. <laughs> Not at all. But overall, it's a fantastic movie. It's a great um, comedy with drama and has really intense moments. And Marissa Tomei is perfect in this role and won an Oscar for a comedy, which is pretty amazing. And we found out she's the only one to win anything for this movie. So not yeah. even Joe Pesci was so nominated, uh, nominated and a winner. Yeah. So check it out. Um, had some great scenes, and she's just really fiery in this one. Um, we also wanted to mention What Women Want from 2000. So again, back into a supporting role, but she does play a more pivotal role just to show the difference between Nick's character played by Mel Gibson. So he is introduced to her as the barista um, at the beginning, and this is before he gets his ability to hear women's thoughts. So we see him as a playboy, and he's always flirtatious with this main barista, and he asks her out on a date. But then by the time they actually get, go on their date, he's already got the ability um, to hear what women want. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she becomes infatuated with him because he guesses everything she wants exactly right, and she doesn't want him to leave. 
She's finally found a man in her life that she could rely on. But of course, he's already fallen in love with Helen Hunt's character by this point. So the only way he can get out of it is by, you know, his one and only option by saying that he's gay. <laughs> So. And, I mean, like, he doesn't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah, I mean, like, he's nice. And also, and also, I'm not going to lie, the movie kind of does play it off a bit as kind of funny, but she's like, oh, I'm just going to just gonna end it all if, like, this guy I, yeah. is, I mean, like... He would crush her if he yeah. was, like, oh, no, no, she's, way, she's like obviously you, very unstable. Yeah. Very unstable, so it makes sense for him to do that. Because, like, you know, he's not going to see her again. He's going to go with Helen Hunt, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And chase after tornadoes. Just kidding. That's a hell of a Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a crossover I want. Which, what, what, Mel Gibson what? drives into the tornado. He's he's the carriers that ties. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know. He's like, move over, Bill Paxton. <laughs> Goddamn Mel Gibson chasing tornadoes. Got now. another cow coming in here. Yeah. yeah. So another Twister reference. Oh, God. Oh, God. How many Twister references can you I had to study that. I had to study that in class for how inconsistent <laughs> it is with its uh, special effects from scene to scene, which is really interesting. I remember they had a ride at Universal Studios. Yeah, they get. They, it's not a ride. You just watch it was like, the set of it happen. It's a ride in quotation marks. <laughs> it's a ride where you just stare and you're like, oh, we're in a tornado. Oh, this is cool. You know, so the earthquake one was much better. Yes, way better. Yeah, way better. I know. I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> oh about. Oh my god, yes. yes my exactly. favorite was the Jaws one though. The yeah, Jaws was good. Yeah, Jaws was you good. You went on a little boat and Jaws like would jump <laughs> out at you. Yeah. Yeah, you come yeah. through the water and then you you'd be stuck in the boathouse in the dark and you'd oh, like see funny. the things like yeah, rattling and then everywhere. Yeah, a giant shark would like come up in front of the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be able to. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to go on that ride. No. Adriana, no. Why? No, she's just, yeah, she's, she's very jumpy. She's a very jumpy person. Oh, yeah, but that didn't mean I wouldn't like it. Uh, I think you would like it. Is that just okay? And like, does it stop me from watching horror movies? No. no and like the actors, that's, that's true. the actors on the boat. You know what's coming. Like, so yeah, exactly. They were like the captains of the ship that would get really into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God, we're going to die. The shark is coming. It's, it was great. That's me. That'd be me. Yeah, that'd be you. That'd be you. <laughs> or I wear my like, little captain's hat. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> segue yeah. into why Marissa Tomei actually is in a leading role, and this is from 1995 when she plays in Only You, and this is like <laughs> my favorite Marissa Tomei movie. Um, her and Robert Downey Jr. star in this like rom com about destiny and fate, and she leaves her little town in the states and she goes off to Venice, Italy, in search of like her true love. So it's a really, like, sweet and cute movie, and I just think her and Robert Downey Jr. are perfect. And, like, she's so elegant in this movie. Like, I love her wardrobe, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) She looks really good, and it's kind of a modern-day play on Roman Holiday. They even reference it. Like, her and Robert Downey Jr. go to the Fountain of Truth and... The put put the hand in the mouth. Oh. Yeah, the mouth of truth or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it is the mouth of truth or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it bites your hand off if you're a liar. That's right. Yeah. So they even like reenact that scene. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a really cute '90s um, rom com, and I just love her in this movie because she just feels like so genuine. She gives you like that hope of like that little girl like looking for like true love, and there's a scene in the beginning of this movie where she's watching um, a scene from South Pacific. And it's with the Italian um, Rossano Brasi. I think he's the singer that um, played in the original South Pacific. Anyway, she's watching it and she's like, she's telling her girlfriends, she's like, okay, just listen, just watch this scene. And she like tears are like filling her in her eyes, and she's just like, I want, I want a man to love me like that. Oh. And then she's just like, <laughs> listen, and he's like saying, I will never let you go, and like I've he holds s- that long note, and I like from from that moment. 
That movie, movie, like, like, scene moved me so much. I've never so seen much. this movie before. That sounds actually very sweet. Yeah, it's really sweet. And because of that movie, like, her watching the scene, I had to go and watch South Pacific after. And I watched, like, all the scenes with um, this particular um, singer. And he's still, like, every time I hear some enchanted evening, the song, like, I just cry. Oh, because it's wow. just, I was like, oh, my God, like, it's just so powerful. That's so, powerful stuff. Yeah, so even for a rom-com, it was, like, it had, like, really good scenes for me. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to go next. Um, so I got Rami Malek for this one. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so disclaimer, I'm a big fan. Um, and as we have joked about before often, as with Adriana, Adriana, my biggest achievement, not my university degree, not having a full-time job, it's that I managed to turn Adriana into a Rami Malek fan. Hashtag she, converted. Hashtag con- motherfucking converted. <laughs> Because she was like, oh, he's creepy. He's not a good actor. And I was like, listen, listen, we have to have a I'm chat. sorry, but trying to watch Rami Malek in the first episode of Mr. Robot, I couldn't get over the eyes. So he's, Mr. He's, Goggly eyes. Well, he's, he's an emotionless character and everything's coming out of yeah. his face. So yeah. it's all good. So I was like, so. not my cup of tea. So, but anyway, But now it is her cup of tea. But now it is her cup of tea, and season four tonight, if you're in Canada and the U.S. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yes, uh, so I think I first saw him um, many years ago in, like, the museum. I didn't really know who he was at that point. Oh, God, that's right. He's the pharaoh, isn't he? He's the pharaoh. Oh, oh my God, I didn't God, he's that. the pharaoh. Um, so I will get to that, but oh I'll start God. with 2007. Oh, my God, it was the pharaoh. Um, so the first thing that... I watched was he was in this sitcom series called The War at Home from 2007. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of your atypical sitcom. Um, it hasn't really aged that well. Um, so <laughs> no it kidding. stars Michael Rappaport, Anita Barone, Kyle Sullivan. Um, and so it's like, you know, mother, fa- uh, sorry, mother, uh, husband, and their three kids. Uh-huh. Um, so Rami Malek plays the son's best friend named Kenny, and it hasn't aged well in the sense that in the first couple of episodes that I watched, um, a lot of the humor, or I guess the conflict is, I think my son is gay, and I'm not okay with that. Great. And, Very modern. And there's a lot of, like, the daughter dates, a, like, a black kid, and, like, he's not okay with that. And there's, like, there's, like, you know, the kids get into hijinks where... Um, they want, the son, um, his name's Larry, wants to borrow a car, and he dresses up as a sister so he can sneak out and borrow the car, and Kenny, uh, Ron, uh, Ron Mallet's character comes along, and his parents see him and think that he's transgender, <laughs> and, like, that's, like, and, like, they're sort of accepting of it, but at the same time, there's a lot of humor of, like, oh, we bought you a skirt because we're not sure what you're going to do. Or like, and he's like, mom and dad, I'm not transgender. And they're like, just in case. Sure you are. So like some of it's like a little bit funny, but it also hasn't aged well. Yeah, obviously. A little bit strange to see something like Um, that. So Malik plays Kenny. He's very sweet. And he plays, uh, as I said, Larry's best friend. And he's very gay. Um... And it's funny because he's he's in love with Larry. So he's like he's in like one of the episode revolves around Larry getting a girlfriend. 
and he's deliberately trying to break them up, <laughs> but he doesn't know himself that he's gay yet, so he's just like, I don't know why I'm jealous, but I'm jealous. <laughs> so there's some elements that are okay. actually played quite well. Yeah. And, like, it's not, like, you don't, like, drop it in one episode and, like, it's gone. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it seems to be a prominent part of his character. Um, and something I think that's flushed out if I watch the whole series. Um, but I think there's a meme of this. So there's, like, a scene, I watched this episode, that he goes on a date with, uh, he goes on a date with another boy. And he's, like, um, so he's telling Larry about it. And he's all excited and he's like, oh, you know, he's like, and Kevin says I have beautiful eyes. And he's like, and Kevin lights my smile. And like, they're sitting on the couch together and he's telling him about the date. And then he's like, and Larry's just like, he's like, did Kevin ever tell you how the best laugh? And he like, just melts. Mm. So like, there's like, these really sort of sweet, endearing scenes to it. Hmm. Um, I, so yeah, I'd say check it out if you're kind of looking to backlog into his early career. And like, I know with Malik, um, He's a big proprietor, the fact that he said he would never take a role um, as someone who kind of Hollywood stereotype of what uh, an Egyptian man or a Muslim man is. So one of the reasons it took him so long to break into Hollywood mm-hmm. is because he actually rejected a lot of roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of directors and producers were like, you're never going to get work unless you start here. And he said, no, I refuse. Um, so he started in smaller roles um, like this one. Um, and clearly they were wrong because he won an Oscar last <laughs> yeah. year. Um, so right. it's kind of interesting to see him um, getting a role in, in something a little bit that's maybe that would have gone to another actor, maybe not even a, an actor of an Egyptian heritage. Yeah. So that's re- really interesting. I remember when I saw um, a short talk with an Q&A with Antonio Banderas at TIFF. Um, they see something similar, a similar kind of thing where he was told... Um, that um, with his accent, he, he would always be get portrayed as like a gangster or something like right. that. Yeah, and drug he, lord. He, or, yeah, 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 or drug lord. And yeah, he yeah. said um, he didn't want to do those kinds of roles. Mm-hmm. And now, look at him now. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. So follow your dreams, kids. Don't let the Hollywood sets get you, get you down. Um, um, so let's move on. Um, so the next one I did was one from 2013 called Short Term 12. Um, so this one was directed by Dustin Daniel Crelton. And it's based off of a short movie from 2009. I guess it's more predominantly known for being Brie Larson's breakout movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I saw this. Um, and it's about, like, these caseworkers, and they are basically living in an institution with kids that are wards of the state. So they're troubled kids that don't have houses that are not of legal age. Mm-hmm. And basically, Brie Larson, John Gallagher Jr., Rami Malek are in it, and they're all kind of like the caseworkers and take care of these kids. Um, so this movie's more so about John Gallagher Jr. and Brie Larson's character, and like why they're so good at their job is that they kind of come from, from troubled homes themselves. And Malek's part is short in it. He's just kind of more there for this comic relief. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the, the bewildered new guy on the block. Yeah. Um, he does have kind of a sweet scene with a kid where, like, he finds a lost toy and he returns them to them. Um, but rather than that, it's more of a Larson movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Jason, you've seen this one? Yeah, I saw that one. It's, a, it's, it's, it's interesting. I actually liked it, how it approached its subject matter with a lot more maturity than a lot of other movies probably could. I definitely think it did that, and I think yeah. it did a good job of actually showing foster parents. Yep. So, John Gallagher Jr.'s character is a foster child himself mm. and there's a scene where they go to his family's house and his adopted parents are Latino mm-hmm. so he's speaking Spanish 
and they have a lot of adoptive kids, like maybe 10 or 12 kids that yeah. this family's raised. Wow. And, like, they're all there, and they're all happy, and he calls them mom and dad. So it's a That's nice. very yeah. positive Aww. look at yeah. adoption and yeah. foster parents. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's bleak within the walls of where Short Term 12 is mainly set because mm-hmm. they have a lot of issues that they're dealing with away from their homes. But, yeah, no, the homes are portrayed as very positive. I like the, um, I can't remember, what was the name of the supporting guy who does the rap song? He was a very good character. Um, I think this character's name was um, Marcus. Yes, but, I, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if the actor was that, is. that wasn't Lakeith, was it? Perhaps. So maybe it was Lakeith. Anyways, uh, it was a great role for him. And I just thought, I just thought the movie does a really, it, it just approaches it in a more grown-up way than a lot of other movies have before, where it's like the battered foster home and, and the trauma and, okay, now now we're here and everything's going to be better. Instead, the facility is where the difficulties actually are and then the home is actually a more positive place. Exactly. So. And the kids were all wonderful actors. Yes, like, they're all very good. Um, I think it's very difficult to portray and it's sad because um, this is not something we talk enough about in society, but there's a lot of kids that are in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of shows that, you know, even if you have a rough upbringing, you you can succeed, you can get out there, mm-hmm. and there are people that do love you, which I think, despite the hardships and despite how they may act because of the way they are treated, there can still be a positive um, mm-hmm. ending. Because a lot of times in society, uh, we'll be like, oh, well, they are the way they are, and whatever happens to them happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like that it was a bit positive at the end. Yep, I agree with you there. Um, so my next one that I did, uh, was Papillon from 2017. Um, so this was starring Rami Malek and Charlie Hunnam. Um, so this one is based off of the 1973 version, um, that had Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. Um, so those are really big shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve McQueen as the lead and Dustin Hoffman as supporting role. Um, and this again is based off a real story and book of a man named uh, Henry Papillon uh, Charrier, and he was basically falsely accused and sent to uh, a prison island in Diana. And most of these people died there. It was horrible conditions. Mm-hmm. And, but he was determined to escape, and the book kind of tells about his multiple times trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's periods in his life where he goes through like solitary confinement for two to five years. And, like, they're in these awful island conditions. Um, and, you know, tougher, I guess less tough men would not survive. Um, so, uh, Hunnam plays Steve McQueen's role, and Malik plays Dustin Hoffman's. So, he plays um, a forger who got caught, basically. And um, Charlie Hunnam takes it upon himself to kind of be his protector and kind of something to escape. Yeah. And... I thought, like, I'm a big Steve McQueen fan. I grew up with his movies. I grew up, in, in particular, Papillon. I read the book in high school. I was really, really into it. Um, so I think I thought that they had wonderful chemistry. Um, yeah. Hunnam was great. There were scenes in it yeah. that he lo- it looked like Steve McQueen had reincarnated. Mm. Um, the, and, like, especially scenes where you have to do something like solitary confinement. Um, scenes where it's just an actor and a camera... I feel like actors really show their merit of what they're worth. Weaker actors can't do that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he was really, really great in it. Um, I believe their relationship, yeah. um, which I think is really important because they're supposed to spend a lifetime together, basically. Yeah, um, they do, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, and like in real life, they, they pretty much yeah. did. 
Um, so I believe them, even in the periods where they're separated from each other as characters, um, I feel like they still very much so cared for each other and were worried about each other. Um, the cinematography was wonderful. I like how they shot on location, which is kind of rare yeah. these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think... It was a, yeah, it was a, I agree with you. It was like a really good remake yeah. that I feel like not many people saw. No, I, I looked into the logistics and it tanked hard. Yeah, no, well, well, no, they buried the release, so it hardly hit any theaters. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was I, a big problem. I it, saw so. it at TIFF with my mom and we just went because... Charlie Connor was in it, and <laughs> and then and then the conversion began because I was forced was to watch a Rami Malek movie because <laughs> I didn't realize he was going to be in it, and um, I just felt like I transitioned with his character yeah. because he starts off as a very like weak individual. Yes, um, he's there like he was a forger, so he wasn't. He's kind of like smarmy. He doesn't really know what to do. He's kind of like a little weasel, yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't like this character. He's like. And that's how I felt about and he's Robbie. he's a good fit because Robbie Malik is very kind of tiny. Yeah, he's very petite. So, and, like, that fits Dustin Hoffman because Hoffman is also small. And like, Skinny. And, and, like, kind of notoriously known as being on the shorter side yeah. of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that, yeah, I was yeah. quite moved because um, I'm a very, very big fan of... And, like, if you ever have a chance to read the book, I highly, yeah. highly recommend it. Um it's very, very... I think it was very well done. Um, yeah. And, and I feel like he has more of an arc. Like, Rami's character, you actually... He actually... You you journey with him from oh, the definitely. very beginning. And he transitioned his character totally. Definitely. So you, you despise him at the beginning. And at the end, you, you're, you're crying. You're, like, you're loving him. Yeah. Like, when they have that final goodbye, so one yeah. of the last scenes when he's trying to escape is they're jumping off a cliff yeah. on a raft of coconuts that they've made. Huh. And Hanan uh, Papillon's character is going to go through with it, and he thinks that Deda is going to as well. And Deda's like, I can't. He's like, the same way that you want to be free, I can't do this anymore. And they separate at that point. Huh. And it's mm-hmm. a very, very moving scene. It's huh. devastating, because like, that's the only families they've had over the For, last few decades. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, huh. So, yeah. I also, on, on a, a just more hilarious note... Um, I just got great amusement out of people just yelling "Papi" at, at Charlie Hunnam. I was like, "Yeah, boy, <laughs> hey, papi, <laughs> yeah, papi, papacito, papacito," and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, that's accurate." <laughs> but yeah, good. Um, but great yes, film. highly, highly recommend. I really, really enjoyed it, and I agree. I like the sort of character journey as well. That yeah, it was really well done. Um, so my next one that I did was Night at the Museum Three from 2014, so this was um, the third installment in, um, in this franchise, so uh, this is the series of Ben Stiller as the night guard and all the exhibits come to life uh, with the magical tablet by Pharaoh Achman Ra, who's played by Rami Malek. Um, so this one has them going to England because there's something wrong with the tablet, and Ben Kingsley plays Rami Malek's father. Oh, that's right. Um, and I, one of my favorite scenes actually in this movie is the banter they have when he gets introduced to Ben Stiller's character. So Rami Malek's like, oh, you know, this is, this is Larry Gardena Brooklyn. And he's like, oh. And then Ben Kingsley's like, oh, he's like, you're Jewish. She's like, we love the Jews. We have 40,000 of them. And I was like, oh, my so goodness. Dark. Dear Lord. And he's like, actually, he's like, that's a big deal. He's like, we celebrate it every year. He's like, <laughs> So, a little bit of the darker humor, yeah. but um, I, I like the relationship that Kingsley and Malik had as father and son. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, 
a disclaimer, I have a degree in history, so I, I love museums in general, whether things come alive or not. Um, so I love kind of the positive right. view of history and like how you're there to learn and enjoy things and appreciate them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, another highlight of these movies that I actually always really like is Owen Wilson's character. That is so good. Uh, Those two are amazing. (laughs) So Owen Wilson plays a miniature cowboy named Jebediah, and Steve Coogan plays Octavius, a little Roman soldier. (laughs) Right. And they are, like, best of friends, and they get into hijinks together. And it's funny because they're, like, maybe an inch tall, things that are not a big deal to us or a huge deal to them. (laughs) So, like, a gust of wind is, like, a tornado to them. Right. And they, like, dramatically pan out, and there's, like, a fan. And they're, like, dying on the ground. Um, I got a question for you, Nicole. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that Ram, like, didn't take any of the uh, cliche Egyptian or Muslim roles because, you know, he didn't want to take them. Is this, like, a bad light. Is Yeah. Is this a bit of a hypocrisy in taking this, or no? I don't think so, because he's not playing someone in a bad light. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, he... It, it might be maybe a, a quote-unquote stereotype Cliché, of what a pharaoh yeah. is. I was just, I was just curious, because I haven't seen the movie, so. Yeah, but no, I think it's done with good humor and good heart. He's yeah. not a bad guy. Okay. It's not like a bad... It's not like um, a stereotypical... Like, it's a cliche, L- but it's like not like... It's not like, like 300, a... where it's... No. What's, exactly. what's the name of the guy with the thousand oh, jewels? Oh, um, I heard... Xerxes. whatever his name is. Yeah. Like, like where he's the cliche, just... You know, everybody's peasants, and I'm the. No, know. no, no. He's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. kind of sweet and. Yeah, and he does like tell his father like, "Oh, like no, no, like that's yeah. not really." Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. We don't really do that anymore. Good, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, oh, and uh, Dan Stevens is also in this as uh, hey, Lancelot. And... I actually love Dan Stevens because I've never really seen him in a comedy. This uh-huh. is like right after he did like Downton, right? Yes. And oh my god, I loved him as a Lancelot. So and so he, funny. he has a great scene where he meets Hugh Jackman, and mm. he thinks that. um He's the real. He thinks he's real King Arthur, and he, Hugh Jackman's on and like on a stage play, and like he basically wants to fight him and get Camelot back because he thinks that he's an actual king. Right. And he makes the joke that he's calling him Hugh Jackman. So, <laughs> so that's where like that started. So that's where that started. That's really um, But it's yeah, I agree. It's kind of nice to see Dan Stevens and more of a like. He had, I actually was like, oh, he has like really good comedic timing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. Also, I'm. Makes me miss Robin Williams. Yeah. Of course. Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. It's like his farewell movie. Yeah, and he has this wonderful line where, like, he's about to turn back into a statue, and he says, um, like, basically, like, cheer up, the sun's coming out. And, I don't know, it just kind of makes me uh, miss, I still have chills miss now. Robin yeah. Williams more. Yeah. Um, lifelong fan, and mm-hmm. kind of world's not the same without yeah. him. Um, so, I, I really like this... Um, franchise um i even like some of the weirder stuff so ben stiller plays himself and he plays a caveman named law oh that's right (laughs) and the humor is incredibly stupid don't get me wrong but i laugh the whole movie it's a lot of no you stay here no don't move no you stay here no don't do this Mm -hmm. and law thinks that ben stiller's his dad because it's they look alike and of they course. molded the achievement to look like Ben Stiller. That's funny. So and it's actually quite funny, so I can't even lie. Like I did crack her yeah. quite a bit. Hmm. Um yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I think it was a good setting off for the franchise. Yeah. Um I think Malik is great in it. He's really enjoyable and endearing. Hmm. Um he's smiling a lot. He's he's actually happy. And he's happy. Because <laughs> he's always depressed. Yeah, no, he's always very intense yeah. in a lot of his. So it's kinda nice to see him in something a little more lighthearted. Um, 
And then my last thing was uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Of course. Um, so from 2018, from last year's, directed by Dexter Fletcher and Brian Singer. Um, so as we, as you have any sort of indication of the movie world, we know that Rami Malek won Best Actor for his portrayal uh, of the lead singer of Queen, of Freddie Mercury. Um, I think he's just wonderful in this movie. It's very good. Um, I think he's he brings it a lot. That's a really, really hard role to kind of take on. Mm-hmm. And there are moments in these, um, in this particular movie where I, he, for me, he completely disappears and it's like yeah. looking at Freddie Mercury all over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the movie got some criticism about timelines and things like that, but I think it's really difficult to shove a band's career into two hours. So I think they did the best they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the sexuality thing is always a huge issue with people. Mm-hmm. Again, I think they did the best they could with what they had. I mean, the fact the man is no longer around to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to put words in people's mouths, especially when they're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another standout to me from this movie was uh, William Lee. So he plays Brian May. And as much as Rami Malek looks like Freddie Mercury, I think William is... The spinning image mm. of Brian May. I thought yeah, he was like that. reincarnated. I actually thought maybe they did CGI. I, well, there like I've seen pictures of William <laughs> yeah. in black and white yeah. dressed up as Brian May, and I think it's him. And then they'll be, I'll look at the caption. It's like oh William Lee and Bohemian Rhapsody. And I'm like, like oh what? wow okay. Um, so mm-hmm. I I thought he was wonderful too because yeah. I'm a big Brian May fan. I thought he captured a lot of softness really well. Um, and then Ben Hardy and Joe Mozello also are great actors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the mu- movie had a lot of humor to it. Um, so I really like the scene where they're doing the recording for I'm in love with my car. Um, and I think it's Joe Mozello's character who locks himself or he like throws the coffee pot across the room. I think historically in Queen's band history, he locked himself in a cabinet and refused to come out until they put I'm in love with my car on the album. Mm. So I like the little elements like that. Mm. Music is wonderful. I thought it was really well done. Um, Cinematography is great. Um, I love the live aid scene. Um, I know that Fletcher did that scene more so, and I thought it was incredibly well done Mm -hmm. um, because I don't think they'll ever be uh, sort of a, a band scenario or music scene scenario at least these days that will ever impact the way that something like Woodstock or Live Aid did mm-hmm. um, and I I appreciate what Malik was able to do because I believe it was originally supposed to be um, Sasha Sasha Baron Cohen yes yeah. who I, also looks a lot like I Freddie Mercury it. I don't see I really it. do I, I did see it. Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. they had, like, the same, like, height or facial... Yeah. And also, like, you know, Malik and him would both obviously have some prosthetics, especially yeah. with the jaw and the teeth and, and stuff. So yeah. that would probably help yeah. and well. But, no, when I heard Sasha Baron Cohen, I said, this will be very interesting when it first started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was the whole turmoil on set with the movie being made. I'm sure you read a whole bunch about that with Brian Singer, you know, not showing up and all the stuff and then the allegations and all that stuff too and then he, he's the only one who ends up getting official credit for the movie yeah so you know it was it was very interesting all the stuff that happened behind the scenes which is why i thought it was going to be a bit of a, a disaster mm-hmm. but um but it ended up being one of the most successful music biopics ever made yeah mm-hmm. i i really enjoyed it. did you did you all have a chance to see it <laughs> jordan, embarrassingly jordan is doing this a no face wow <laughs> Trying to avoid happiness. Did you guys enjoy it? I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I definitely liked 
like Rami Malek's performance the best mm-hmm. out of like the whole movie. Yeah, he's very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I really think he tapped into the character more so than anyone else. Like, I, I there's think something so. very like sentimental behind his eyes, like the way he just sits down at the piano and starts playing. Mm-hmm. Like I was blown away. And yeah. I think he mm-hmm. does like. Like, even when you see him, like, in his award speeches, like, he's very thankful to Queen and to, um, yeah. to like, uh, Freddie Mercury's memory, and, like, he's doing his best to represent in the best way he knows how. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and there's very cute pictures of, like, you know, like, he seems like a very affectionate guy, so, like, there's pictures of him, like, kissing Brian Me on the cheek and stuff <laughs> like that. Mm. So, I, I think, yeah, I overall yeah. liked it. I, I'm someone who's a big Queen fan. I grew up with their music. And, like, even for someone, for example, like my parents, my parents are not super into, at least my mother is not more into more modern rock music. And she was like, oh, I know this song. Oh, I know this song, too. Oh, and so... They're very popular. You know, if you could touch someone from a different generation, a different cultural background, I think you're doing your job yeah. right. Apparently Wayne's World brought back oh, some Queen. Yeah. Because they were sort of dead in the water for a bit. And right. then they got revived by... Wayne's World doing the Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody scene. Yes, the And I was like, oh, car. God, right, this song. And then... You know, and then Mike Myers had a cameo mm-hmm. um, in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. As the producer that, I don't think he actually existed, I think it was there just to show the band's barriers and trying to get their album out, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think that music producer actually existed. I don't think so, but yeah. he basically like says that like, they'll never make it as a band. Yes. And, and, well, nobody's going to put a 10-minute song on the radio. <laughs> so, yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then it cuts to him yeah. at the end of the movie. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so I think Malik has made some incredible leaps and strides over his career. Um, you know, also kind of shout out to the Pacific if you ever have a chance to watch that. Really Isn't great. he going to be the bad guy in the next James Bond movie? He's going to be the bad guy in the next James yeah. Bond movie. That's yeah. when you, you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you've been cast as you're the villain, yeah. you're just the hero, now you're the villain. Yeah. But in um, a Bond movie. In a yeah. Bond movie. <laughs> um, I, I want to hear him say Mr. Bond. Yeah. I want to hear him say it. Yeah. Come, come, no, Mr. Bond. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, I, like, I think he's someone that you can actually kind of see him grow over his career. And mm-hmm. at least for me, he's only getting better. Um, so yeah. Um, and I, I like that he's not afraid to venture out of his wheelhouse. Like he's done mm-hmm. a little bit of everything really. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to Jordan. Jordan, who do you have? Um, so I got Lance Henriksen. Who? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, he does do a lot of um, like supporting roles, a lot of small roles. Um, but um, so I tried to pick um, movies that kind of showcased um, him acting um, different characters. Right. Um, so I'm gonna bring everyone to space, and we're gonna be <laughs> the final and, frontier. The final frontier. And um, so he had a role in um, the Right Stuff. It came out in 1983. Mm, that's right. Um, so in this movie, he plays um, Wally Skira. He's one of the um, Mercury 7 who's chosen to um, participate in NASA's um, space missions during the space race with Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was... Um, so it's, it's a three-hour-long movie. It goes, um, it's a basically kind of like um, a biopic of like all of the astronauts. Um, unfortunately, he was one of the astronauts that didn't get as much focus as the others. Um, but <laughs> that's always how it is. So it's like they all who didn't step on the moon first. They were all yeah. there, but like you know, they, they never get like you He's know, still you, on you were first though. <laughs> yeah, that's so. true though. I wonder if they like fought on the way to the No me, no me. No seriously. Well, well, I mean it's Neil and maybe Buzz and who else was there? Like I don't remember. I can't remember. 
Do you see what I mean? That's the problem. Yeah, so. I think Buzz is more known for his antics, though. And ambient yeah, Buzz. Yeah. Like, his name's Buzz. <laughs> Anyways. Somebody, somebody named their kid Buzz. I know it's Shot, not his real name. It's just fired. Just, but just, hey, what's your name? Buzz. Like you're... <laughs> to the rescue. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, We're not so aiming like, for the truck. <laughs> Continue on. Yeah, so like some of the other characters, like Sam Shepard and um, Scott Glenn, like they get these like nice intros. It shows their family, their lives before. Ed Harris as well is in that, right? Is Ed Harris in this one? Yep. Yes. yes. Ed Harris is in it as well. Hashtag old old babe for Olivia. <laughs> Olivia's your shout out. But um, but like Tendrick's character doesn't get introduced until like they start doing like the testing to see who's oh, gonna okay. make it in. Um, he's um, he was in the Navy, which is part of why he was originally brought in mm-hmm, um, for testing, um, and then he ma- ends up making it. Cool. Um, Very cool. But um, I thought his role was in pretty well. Like you know, he's army guy, um, wants to um, he wants to you know like do something big for his country. In this case, yeah. go to space. This is a very raw, raw American movie without being mm-hmm. raw, raw America. If yeah. that makes sense, from what I've heard. Yes. It's three hour, three hour epic. Yep, and it's, like it's just space epic. Space epic. There, those are coming back now. I've, there's been so many movies about space this year and last year. Like I feel yeah. like we all want to go to space now. Yeah. Because that's yeah. how everybody's sort of moving towards well, let's what? go to space. We but, had, this year we had Ad Astra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Brad Astra. Or Brad, Brad Astra. Astra. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Brad Astra, Dad Brad Astra, Astra. Astra. But then we have a lot of like future stuff, like you know, like Blade Runner and you right. know all that stuff. There's just been a lot of I think focus on Sci-fi. going to. Going to that other place, mm-hmm. Interstellar and all this stuff too, like about going to this new place that we haven't been to before, which is exciting. Right stuff was doing it pretty early on in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. very odd to have a kind of movie like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very like Americanly grounded, raw raw America. We're going to space America, mm-hmm. and have it be as groundbreaking as it was yeah, at the time. True. So and like there's also a lot more NASA apparel as well. Yes, I see in stores everywhere. So. Mm-hmm. I guess it's also part of the whole space coming back. Yeah, I think it's part of everybody wanting. People just want to go to space, man. Well, the We're supposed to have what? Yeah. Oh, space just travel right now on like Virgin Airlines or whatever. They bought that shuttle or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's supposed to be they just did go to space for twenty thousand dollars a ticket. No big yeah. deal. No big so, deal. Anyways, follow your dreams, kids. So, saying in space, <laughs> we're gonna go to the more actiony side with aliens. Oh yes. Um, yes. Sequel to What's Alien. <laughs> Because now there are more aliens. <laughs> yeah, just blow it. This time it's more, more aliens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this one wants to pluralize it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just alien two. <laughs> yeah. Instead of alien, they could because they could have done that, but it's interesting that they called it aliens instead. Because then alien three is alien three. Oh god. Yeah. Brutal. No, Finch is hilarious talking about that story. Well, Fincher hates that movie. Well, why would why would you like that movie? It's a terrible movie. We know what's funny. We have a friend Paul. <laughs> That's his favorite in the franchise. I'm like, really? The director disowned that movie. Yeah, the director. Like the director literally got fired from the movie three times and rehired three times yeah, and, and forced to finish it. And he's like, that's where I'm like, okay, do I want to do this now for a living? Do I really want to do it? And he did seven. So then he was good after that. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, so in this movie, um, Henriksen is um, um, bit plays Bishop, who's sort of like this um, artificial human robot who accompanies the astronauts on their mission. Mm-hmm. Um. So one of the interests, so as a robot, you know, he's not allowed to, he's not supposed to emote really well. And I think he did that really well. Like he kind of like, he gets like his like one liners here and there, like while, like, um, without the, you know, like doing emotion like the other um, mm-hmm. actors do. And he does that really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing too, is that, um, so in the first movie, um, they also had, um, an artificial human, um, robot, um, with, them. Um, um, I can't remember the name. Ash. Ash, right. Um. So come, in that movie... <laughs> come to me for all your alien nerdum. 
Yeah. So, so Ash Bishop called <laughs> David Walter. They're part of the Utani. Well, yeah, the Utani company, Tepanet Play. Okay, we apologize, viewers, if you're turning away. This is a little too much information. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Very clearly into the franchise. Um, yes. Uh, maybe a little bit too into the franchise. But Bishop is the best android. He's a good boy. Yeah. He's a good boy. Hashtag, good boy. Hashtag good boy. Hashtag good boy. Hashtag good boy. What's his name? Bishop? Yeah, hashtag good boy Bishop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was a B, that's why I was like, okay, it's going to work. I like that hashtag. Anyways, good boy um, Bishop. So in the first movie, their artificial human robot had an alternative mission than the rest of the characters, which actually led to the alien coming aboard the ship in the first movie. Uh-huh. Um, so there's kind of this worry that um, she doesn't really trust him because he might have like a same sort of alternative mission because they're going to another planet where the aliens came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of like this, like, um, sort of like, do you trust, do we trust him, do we not trust him? And because mm-hmm. he's not, he's a robot, he's not allowed to emote, he does that very well where it's kind of like you're not sure if he's, like, going, like, like there's actually, for part of the movie, he disappears because he goes off That's to, right. um, um, he goes off to, like, activate this um, watchtower so they can, like... Was that in the things. tube? Where he goes um, down the yeah. tube? Yeah. Oh, oh that's right. That was such a good scene. Yeah. yeah. I forgot. Oh, so and good. then, like, and you and he's gone for a part of the movie and you don't know what he's doing. So it's kind of like, is it's, he really helping them? Or is, is he, he ruining our lives? Also, yeah. you forgot about the scene, the iconic scene with the knife with him, um, the other guy... Um, where they're doing like that, that sort of like fisty cuffs game with the knife. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, and they let him do it. Stab it on the table. Oh, I can't watch that stuff. So, and like, um, and they're like, oh, Bishop, Bishop, like, you do it. And like, he's an android, he's a super he's fast. He's totally yeah. fine. I can't watch that stuff, man. Like, like watching that, people actually do that? I can't watch oh, it. Oh, God, I used to have a cousin who used to do that. Oh, so. can't watch it. Can't yeah, watch it. he used to try to see if he could do it. And I was like, that's, that's a horrible idea. We're going to end up at the hospital. Like, it's um, just like, I can't watch that. Because yeah. like, well, you're just waiting for it to hit, so. Yeah. Like, double time. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, like, a really cool scene in, in that line. Mm-hmm. So, um, great movie. Um, he does a really good job in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, next up is Near Dark. Um, so, he has more of a starring role in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in this movie... Uh, um, so, the main character is um, played by um, Adrian Pazdar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, as we were, we discussed a little bit, uh, formerly known as of Heroes fame, maybe? Yeah, the yeah. first season. I don't think yeah. anybody's known for anything other than the first season. <laughs> no. yeah. He's the flying... It's like he's, Lost. It's he's like the lost. flying man. If you yeah. remember Hero... If you remember Hero from Heroes, he would go up to me and go, Flying Man! That's just... Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the things I remember. Um, so, in this movie, so Adrian Pastari, he's like this... Um, country boy um, named Caleb and he meets um, he meets this girl played by um, named May played by Jenny Wright and they sort of hit it off um, they um, go off together and um, she it turns out that she's a vampire and she turns him into a vampire as well um, and um, because of this he gets brought into this um, group of char- group of vampires which is led by Lance Henriksen uh-huh. his character is sort of like the dad of the group uh-huh. um, named Jesse and he's kind of this, like, ruthless, um, I guess, badass sort of character. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, he's sort of, like, he's, he's in charge. Um, and he, um, like, like, very different, like, a total 180 from, um, his, uh, from his other roles. Because um, he's a lot more, 
ruthless, a lot more t- taking in charge in this one. And I thought he did a really good job of that. Okay. Um, and, like, you don't, like, and because of, um, and because um, uh, Adrian's character is, like, he's, like, um, like, he, like, he grew up with his family. He's, like, a, he's a hashtag good boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hashtag good boy. Good boy, bitch. So, like, he's, like, he doesn't want to do the things that, um, that Jesse tells him to do. Of course. So yeah. he's, um, so they, they're kind of like at odds there and you don't really know um, what direction the movie's going to go because he's a vampire now. So mm-hmm. like, is he going to stay with them despite all the things they do? Um, Bill Paxton is also in this movie yes. and he's like yes, the crazy one of the group. Game over, man. Game over. Not quite, but he is a vampire. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're looking for some... But I was doing the aliens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, if you're a big Bill Paxton person, yeah. this is a good one. Who isn't one. a big Bill Paxton? Right? Rest in peace, Bill. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. So, yeah, no. character also plays really good off of Jeanette Goldstein's character who's sort of like the mom of the group. Um, like they sort of have like this on and off romance um, throughout the movie, um, and it's um, it's a great yeah. Halloween movie. Yes, yeah, definitely good to watch this month for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting take on vampires because like you get because they're always on the run because like they have to kill humans in order to live. And, yeah, but that's murder, and so the law, the police are after them. They have to keep going across different states, mm. like try to like burn all traces of their presence. So, kinda, <laughs> so it's kind of like cool. you're wondering like is he like this because of because because of the ple- because of the lifestyle he has to live or has he always been like this yeah um, yeah because okay. like because like throughout the story they like talk about things they've done in the past and it kind of seems like he's always been kind of seems like he's always <laughs> definitely <been. laughs> yeah and there's some great it's kind of a departure for Bigelow because she's kind of down like what what was the one that she did zero dark was it zero she did zero dark thirty and then she did uh the one after that uh, the locker. The Hurt Locker, Hurt Locker. She did too. And then she did one more recently as well. Then it was Zero Dark Thirty because she did. She was on like a war tirade. It was something else, also written by Mark Bull. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember. Yeah, what it very raw, raw America. Not necessarily raw, raw America. Just, just it was more another war thing. And I'm like another one. So. Zero Dark Thirty. Any, any military American, it's always going to end up in raw, raw America. Well, Zero Dark Thirty really is like very anti-torture, like based on what happens in the movie. Yeah. Like it's really anti-torture. Like, like, it's like, this is all not good. <laughs> torture, but it's not, like, anti-American. Yeah. Well, no, it's not going to be anti-American, but it's going to be anti-torture. So, well, I kind of miss when she did stuff like this. And yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree that this stuff's more interesting, but, so. yeah. For sure. And so now we're going to move into the Wild West with The Quick and the Dead. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so this movie, um, so the main character is um, played by Sharon Stone, um, named Ellen. Um, so she's a gunslinger who rolls into this town um, that has um, a dueling contest. So um, there's a bunch of contestants um, they, that pair off. They um, do pistols at, not necessarily dawn, but like every hour. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> busy town. Like it starts at dawn and then, yeah, like every hour. <laughs> Pick your um, time slot. They, yeah, pretty much essentially. Like, oh, my God. Like when, I knew. When you challenge someone and they pick... They, they had to pick from a hat what time oh, that's funny. they would get. Imagine, no, I want high noon. <laughs> you want to trade me for high noon? Um, so the, um, it was really great. Like they, you really got into like the tension, like when, because like they would both be ready to draw and like in the clock and because they have the big clock tower. Um, when it chimes at the hour, that's when they're supposed to draw. Mm-hmm. So that was really um, 
like the way they did the cinematography there was really well done because like it builds up the tension of just waiting for them to fire. Right. Um, so in this movie, Lance Henriksen, um, his character's name is Ace Hanlon. He's kind of like this um, what a great bit name. of a showboat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> showboat. Because he like his like thing is that like he's done all these accomplishments. He does like a, all these like trick shots. He can like sh- he's ambidextrous. He can shoot with both hands. Um, so, um, like, we get this really cool scene where he, um, like, he has this little girl holding up the Ace of Spades. Um, he's, he doesn't know it's the Ace of Spades, mm-hmm. um, or so he says. And then, <laughs> so he jumps off his horse, he, like, flips off it and, like, shoots from under the horse right through the card <laughs> that says it's so cool. Ace of Spades. Um, as you do. <laughs> yes. As one does on horseback. <laughs> and, um, so as this big showboaty, um, gunman, he gets picked by, um, the main villain of the movie, um, Gene Hackman's character um, named Herod, and he chooses him to pair off with first um, because he's sort of, he's the one who runs the town and essentially like him picking the most showboaty gunman of everyone there was his way of sort of showing that he's the one in charge. Right. Um, um, So, and of course because he's the main villain and they're the first duel, you know, it's not going to end well. Um, but I thought he did a really good... So, um, he does um, lose the duel. Um, he um, he actually gets... Before that, he gets called out by Gene Hackman's character saying that um, some of his achievements were actually done by him. Mm. He was like, maybe you would have known that if you were actually there. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Shots fired. So, it's kind of interesting because, like, throughout the whole movie, he's, like, this very... Like, he seems very confident, very... Of course. Po- composed and then like after he says that like he kind of like goes red a little bit um he starts panicking um and he he just loses outright in that duel um so i thought it was kind of cool just to see because like in all his other movies he's like always um because in all his other movies like he's always in control he, yeah mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. um but in this movie like he kind of like panic you get to see a little bit of panic in him um, which was cool to see. He did. I thought he did that really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you said and this movie also has a young Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, right? Leonardo DiCaprio is also in this movie. When always down for that. <laughs> so, a yeah. true baby. Yep. Pre Titanic. Hashtag this... good boy. Never <laughs> <laughs> make it work, folks. Yeah. Yep. Pre Titanic because this movie came out in '95. Poor Leo. Hashtag good boy Leo. And also a young Russell Crowe is <laughs> in this movie as well. Also a good boy. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag goodbye crow. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like he's going to be departed. <laughs> and then, so rounding us off, we're going to go with um, Tarzan, the Disney Oh, yeah, that's classic. right, yes. Tarzan. <laughs> that a lot of people are Tarzan. divisive on. With original music by Phil Collins. Phil Collins. One and only. You can have Phil Collins in the air. <laughs> All right, that's, a bit, a, that's a bit of a stretch there. I mean, come on. I can feel. Have you ever seen that Family Guy skit with the, how they did that origin of the of that song? No, how was it? So it's like Brian's at a table uh-huh. and Joe, the cop, is outside and uh-huh. he's like yelling about this Phil Collins song <laughs> and he's telling her how about apparently the song's about. He saw some guy get murdered in the drown, yeah. Or, like, the guy is, like, shows up at his concert or something like that. And, like, they're, like, out there, like, dropping pots and pans and, like, yelling back to each other, back and forth. That's really and, like, funny. reenacting the song. 
And then she's like, that doesn't make any sense. How, how, why would he allow this guy to be at this concert? She's like, why would he make eye contact with them? And, like, Brian's just at the table, and he's trying to write, and they're yelling about Phil Collins That's outside. Really funny. That's really great. That's good. <laughs> it's actually, like, you can't talk about Tarzan without talking about Phil Collins. That's probably one of the more yes. divisive things about that movie, and that, because all the other Disney movies, they would have the characters sing the songs, but in this movie, it's just all Phil Collins. Hmm. As it should be. <laughs> All day, Bring Phil day. Collins back for Aladdin, directed by Guy Ritchie. Let's do it. Shots <laughs> fired. Um, Phil Collins, do you do Middle Eastern music? Sorry, continue. So back to Lance Henriksen. So in this movie, um, so he also has a bit of a leading. Well, um, well, he plays a main character in this one as well. He plays um, Kerchek, the um, Tarzan's adoptive ape father in the movie. Um, so one of the thing cool things I liked about his role in this movie is that he, I thought he did a really good job of doing his like um, Kerchak's like deep, big voice, mm-hmm. um, which is very different from all of the other um, roles that, that I've talked about. Um, yeah, he's kind of soft think, spoken. Mm-hmm. His other roles. Yes, you would never know that because like huh. Kerchak is terrifying. Yeah, like Kerchak's <laughs> terrifying, and like even like Bishop is soft spoken. He's mm-hmm. even soft spoken in yeah. Your Dark. Yeah, like he's like he's sort of like he's not like 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 that was more Bill Paxton's character. He was like the loud, mm-hmm. abrasive one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he, even like when he was doing, um, like whenever like yeah, he was always like in ch- like he was like one of those like calm uh, badasses. I guess. You could yeah, say. yeah, no, like those people that are like like mm-hmm. they're serious, but mm-hmm. it's like that calm before the storm. Yeah, yeah, like but in this movie, he um, yeah, he he th- I thought he did that voice really well. Um, that. Um, he was this whole, he wasn't really, he didn't really accept Tarzan because Tarzan's a human. Um, and he brought the other humans into the jungle, into their home, which led to um, his, Chaos I mean, I assume everyone's mm-hmm. seen the movie by now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right. he does. So he's 20 years old. So he does okay. end up dying. And then, in oh, his, no. and he um, says to Tarzan, you know, he finally accepts him. Like, you are. My son, even though you brought the humans here that killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope so it's still a little bit of A little bit of justification. I hope he wouldn't be like, you are my son, even though you brought this wretched in the house. The locusts are coming because of you, but... It's like, like Mercutio over still there, you. like, jeez. Like, <laughs> I told you. I'm glad you know both your houses. <laughs> yeah, but like, fall done. And the black guy dies first in the oh, Romeo and Juliet because oh, he's Mercutio. No. Did you remember that? Yeah. Just saying. So what? So it's the, the story behind me saying that it's not just a random statement. It's uh, when I was in English class when I was in uh, high school. We watched the movie version of that, right? And, <laughs> and literally, and at the beginning of the movie, they montage all the characters, as yeah. you remember, right? And yeah. we, the only thing when we had a test on who dies when in the movie. And so, of course, when the guy from Lost comes on the screen as the black guy, as the only black guy, it was the major character in the movie, like, of course he dies first. Everybody just started laughing so hard. The teacher's like, what's so funny? And we're like, nothing. <laughs> nothing, teach. Just us kids, you know, just, you know. And it was just, I was, just, we, but we just thought that was a really and funny yet, cliche. And the best version of Romeo and Juliet. In terms of movies, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, what other terms? I guess the book, yeah, like the original material. And then, like, you know. Okay. Um, no, like play productions. Yeah, and play productions. But yeah, no. I no. wish Baz Luhrmann actually would do more Shakespeare. But yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see his take on like King Lear or something. That'd be mm. kind of cool. Yeah, or even you like Hamlet. Yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be interesting. Good. <laughs> like the most elaborate, like the most elaborate. Yeah, Leonardo like sweeps in a cake. Like the ghosts have like fur. With some modern Jay Z going on, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio as Hamlet. All the rings on the fingers. 
Uncle, I am going to murder you. He, he has, like, an empty glass skull of vodka, you know, oh just, God. like, talking to himself. You know? Yeah. Oh, like a crystal skull? Yeah, like a crystal yeah. skull. And then Leo does his, like, trademark, like, oh, yeah. cheers up in the air. That's me, like, yeah. blasting. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. That's Lorman, if you're listening. Okay, so I'm going to write we, this we, all down. We, st- we, still had, we still got to Leo. From this movie, which is really funny. From Target. it always leads yeah. back to Leo. <laughs> all roads lead to Leo. <laughs> Hashtag good boy. Hashtag. Hashtag all roads lead to Leo. <laughs> Elder Leo, Elder Leo. <laughs> I watched that, but uh, yeah, anyway, the city of Leo. Yeah. So back to Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> no, we must hear more Leo. No. Oh man, it's gonna be a fight when we get there. Yeah, with yeah. John yeah, Cena's name. It's gonna be a five-way fight. Um, but yeah, so um, I thought he did a really good job doing those because, like, in the big most of the movie, he has like his soft, deep, soft-spoken voice, and then now he gets he gets a little bit emotional, um, which was nice to see. Although I would have liked to have seen because like it kind of seemed kind of sudden. Like the only scene kind of seems like the only reason he finally accepted Tarzan is because he's dying. <laughs> Uh, essentially, so he just wanted like to end things nicely, rather because like we don't really get to see them bond, which I thought would yeah. be mm-hmm. nicer to see. Um, but besides that, I think he did a great job in that movie as well. Awesome, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that one, but I remember liking it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I love the little um, his friend. Oh, his chimpanzee. Friends. Yeah, and he's like Tarzan. Tommy. Oh yeah! <laughs> I heard his name was. I remember him vine surfing. That was my favorite scene. Yes. Where, where his feet are he doing. Like it would never happen. Like he could never do this. It's so impossible. But I was like, it's oh, so cool. Turk. Turk. Yes. 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 <laughs> Wasn't there an elephant as well? Yes. Um, I don't remember his name. I remember. Yeah. Falum <laughs> falum. No, not that falum. Come on. Thought I'd bring that back. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's it. Um, for me, for now. Okay, so we're going to roll now for our next people that we're going to get next month. So again, it's left of the draw with our kind of magic bingo ball roller here. Um, so Sam's not here, so we're going to roll for her. So, and Sam got... Um, Sylvester Stallone. Sam got Sylvester Stallone, okay. Um, so Jordan, do you want to roll next? Okay. Who did you get? And I got... Ooh, Harrison Ford. Ooh. Oh, nice. Nice. Good choice. Good nice, good nice. Okay, Jason, you're next. All right. Let's see here. I got uh, Jackie Chan. Ooh, yes. Jackie! I am very happy. Very happy. No, don't veto. No, don't do it. I want to watch Legend of the Drunken Master. Don't veto it. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're next. Okay. Jessica Lange. Ooh. Yes, I actually, yeah, okay. Fancy, fancy. Well, I get all the, like, good females. Okay, and me? <laughs> I am one. Aside from the bad ones? Yeah. Okay. okay, and I got John Cho. Interesting. Yeah. There's what three Star that? Trek movies, and he's, he's Harold from Harold and Kumar. Something. Okay, so those are our picks Searching. Searching. Bunch, <laughs> bunch of other stuff. Come on, people. Okay, um, so I think this brings us to an end of our episode thank you for listening we hope that you'll tell your friends um send us a review uh follow us on our instagram so again hollywood underscore deep dive on instagram and also hollywood deep dive at gmail.com if you want to contact us um we have our master list out so you can see our actors as we go through them if there's anybody on the list you're like hey i really want like this actor why is he on the list don't worry he'll be thrown he or she 
uh, or they will be thrown into the pots. Yep, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg is going in, guys. Just oh, here. Okay. Um, something false. Else, <laughs> that's a false. Um, something else that I forgot to add uh, was something that kind of makes us unique is that um, so each of us is entitled to a deep dive double cross, which means that we are allowed to steal a particular actor. So, for example, um, if we bring our friend All Roads Lead to Leo and everybody wants him, <laughs> It's going to be a five-way steal, but everyone's yeah. entitled to one steal, and everyone's entitled to two vetoes. So that means that um, we can veto them, which means that we don't get that particular person, but they go back into uh, the midst, and there's a chance that you can get them again another day, or somebody else can get them. Um, so that's something also that we do. We haven't, no, no one has kind of used theirs up yet, but that is also on the table. Um, so anyways... Thank you again so much for joining us, and we hope to see you next month. Um, please keep your eye on our Instagram, where there will be pictures posted regularly, as well as with movies that we will be diving into for each of our actors. And, yeah, catch you on the flip side. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 See you later. Bye.